Hello, Thursday, January 27th, 2022. Massive show today. Michael Vick stops by. First time he's ever been on the show. Also on today's show, Chuck Pagano. How you doing? Keep it moving. And an incredible conversation with Boston Connor, Kai Schmidt, and Matt Gay. The kicker for the LA Rams. Absolute superstar. AJ Hawks here. All the boys are here. We can't thank you enough for allowing us to penetrate your ear holes. If you enjoy the show by the end of it, please be a friend and tell a friend. If not, just act like it never happened. Here we go. There's a lot of news today, and we need to get right to it. The Toxic Table is here at Ty Schmidt, at Boston Connor. Tone Diggs, one half of the hammer. Dad. Cowboys, who I have said this so often. It is probably starting to sound like a broken record, but it is real. Somehow, these hammer down cowboys. Tone Diggs, who you see here, the Canadian sensation, who you see in the back there. <laughs> Mitt, Nick's involved now. Foxy's on a run. They are on a heater for the last 12 months, and people think we are lying. We are not lying. 15 minutes after this show ends at youtube.com forward slash hammer down, D-A-H-N. These dudes go on the air live and project to the world what their picks are for every single night. And although the gambling gods in the past have normally pissed and rained all over those types of people because, hey, don't be doing that. All right, don't be, you can't, can't be projecting it. A lot of people won't tell anybody what they're betting on until afterwards because of the feeling that they're doomed to lose if they let anybody know what they're betting on or try to inspire others to do it in a fashion with a platform. Going on 13 months now, these fucking guys have been on a heater. And that's not just like every single day they went. I mean, there's been a few where they have lost. Mm -hmm. But at the end of each week, they are up. It makes zero sense. And last night might have been their best night. Yeah. Whoa. Town Diggs, 10 and 1. Wow. In college basketball. He gave out 11 picks yesterday. 10 of them hit last night. That is just, hey, basic ass, how you doing Wednesday, okay, in the middle of no sports world. Gumpy gave out 17 picks. <laughs> we are going to have to talk about that at some point. Sure. <laughs> how many? Shooter. Yeah. Always happy. He won 11 and 6 last night. Well, take it. Mitt went 5 and 0 oh last night. Whoa. Nick went 3 and 1 last night in hockey. Foxy went 1 and 0 oh last night. We're talking about just, here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go from the Hammered Down Boys, and I want to thank all of you for your incredible brains, determination, and potential yeah. future problem down yeah. the Thank you all so much. Thank you, boys. Thank you, thank, you, thank you for the confidence back, because I used to be one of those people I was afraid to put out because of the gambling gods, but you know, I've overcome that fear, and I think we do a good show. Yeah. I mean, I did force you guys to start a show. So <laughs> but that's on them for being good at gambling. Yeah. But you guys have taken the horse that basically I forced into your stable and said, hey, this is what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. All right. For the good of everybody, for the good of us, for the good of you guys. You guys are too good at gambling. You're going to do this every fucking day. And I'm excited to see what you guys do with this, how this thing evolves, what it goes. Basically, from day one, it's been pretty similar. It's been, hey, we're going to get on the air. We're going to tell you why we're picking what we're picking, and they're going to be fucking winners. I'm proud of you guys. Thank you, Pat. Very proud of you guys. Way to go. Not easy to do that. Not at all. Uh, I love it. Let's get to the NFL news now. 
And I don't know what the odds were for every head coach to end up where, but as the odds got better in some places, other teams started making decisions. For instance, Eberflus was scheduled to have another interview with the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC South, a team that is in the middle of rebuilding. Instead of that happening, the Chicago Bears say, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, actually, we're going to hire you as our head coach. Matt Eberflus, defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts who came from the Dallas Cowboys, was actually hired, get this, under the Josh McDaniels regime of the Indianapolis Colts. Mm. That being said, the Josh McDaniels regime didn't even make it to the press conference, but it did make it in theory. So when Eberflus was hired, it happened before the Josh McDaniels official hire happened. Eberflus gets along with Frank Reich, sticks around, creates a defense that is fucking unbelievable. Now, they did lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Mm -hmm. who have the number one pick again Mm -hmm. in the NFL in the last game of the season, and they were kicked out of the playoffs, but it was not the defense's fault. Matt Eberflus has led a great defense here. Now he's the head coach for the Chicago Bears. Congrats to him. Since Eberflus is out of the market now, and Jacksonville was scheduled to interview him and Nathaniel Hackett and everybody else, since Eberflus is out of the market, Byron Leftwich is now being announced basically as the head coach coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Congrats to Byron Leftwich. Now there is a uh, alleged disagreement between Byron Leftwich, the fans of the Jaguars, and the Khan family over Balky's existence in the operation. Mm-hmm. He's been there for like 20 years. A lot of coaches have came and gone. They, they stink whenever... Um, he has been at the helm. I mean, that is kind of what has happened. Yeah. He came from, I don't know if it's been 20 years. He's been there a long time. I forget the exact amount of years, Bulky. Uh, he's been so bad, though, that their fans were actually dressing up like clowns and going to the stadium yeah. because yeah. they said it was clown town ever since Balky came to town. Right. And he is now in the middle of a discussion, allegedly, behind closed doors between their new head coach of the franchise and the program, Byron Leftwich, who used to play quarterback there, and moving on because Byron Leftwich doesn't want that dude in control of the roster. He wants Adrian uh, Phillips. Well, what? Wilson, Adrian Wilson, former player who's now been with the Cardinals for like seven years in the scouting department mm-hmm. to be a GM. So that's going to be an interesting situation to watch, but congrats to Byron Lefwich. Right, head coach, that's awesome. Former player, that's awesome. He's head coach. And the big news of the day, yes, the Bears is, is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And the Jaguars is a big deal. Sure. But the big news this morning in the coaching hiring cycle of the NFL, Nathaniel Hackett, now head coach of the Den Denver Broncos. Congrats oh, to Coach Hackett. Yeah, Congrats, hey. Coach Hackett. And I'd heard of Hackett, obviously, through the conversations with Aaron Rodgers and uh, media talking about him and everything. I don't think I'd ever seen a photo of him until recently. I did not expect him to look the way he looks. I think the, I, I, did, I honestly I had no idea. It was like a kind of guess who situation there. Nathaniel Hackett is very experienced. They've mm-hmm. gone through a lot of his resume basically everywhere on all of the networks. Everybody assumes since he is going to the Denver Broncos, because that means one thing and one thing alone. He's bringing in the offensive line coach to be sure. the offense coordinator. Maybe brings in Getzy to be mm-hmm. the offense coordinator. Ooh. And at the end of the day, who's the offense coordinator? Uh, probably Aaron fucking Rodgers. Yep. And the Denver Broncos were linked to Aaron Rodgers last offseason. Uh, their Broncos 
Broncos fan base actually thought he was going to be a Bronco, like for real, like shoot for real. And the sports books didn't know either. They were actually changing odds for the Broncos going forward, thinking that maybe Aaron Rodgers was going to be their quarterback because there was rumors and hearsay and this was happening, that was happening. And they've been in the market for every single quarterback that has even come potentially available over the last few years. Now, before Peyton Manning's era, they were also whiffing on quarterbacks. So the Denver Broncos, always in the quarterback market, it feels like. And they're bringing in the offense coordinator who has a great relationship with a quarterback that's potentially coming to the market. Are the days over of Aaron Rodgers being a Green Bay Packer? That's what it sounds like right now. It sounds like that was a package deal. You get Hackett, you get Aaron Rodgers, and if you're Green Bay, it's like you, well, fuck you both then, I would assume. Yeah, it certainly seems like, you know, that's the the main narrative we're going to be here moving forward is with Hackett going to Denver then. Aaron and Devontae. And not just not just Aaron. Devontae is gonna, you know, he's following him as well. He doesn't want the franchise tag. He doesn't want to be in Green Bay if Aaron's not there. So that's basically already a done deal. But I don't know if I'm necessarily surprised. We were talking about it before the show. I think he interviewed for the um Falcons head coaching job last year. I thought he was maybe gonna get that job. So I feel like once that stuff kind of starts happening, your quarterback wins the MVP two years in a row, like there's a good chance he was probably gonna end up going somewhere and it just so happens that it's to the place where everyone can kind of link the pieces like, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Aaron's out the door already. He's hey, already Denver's a beautiful city. Oh, Denver, oh, gorgeous. Beautiful. Oh, it's oh, it's obviously booming because of everything that's ever happened there yeah they have some laws and i'm not saying that would sway anybody to go out there sure. it did make me you know Thank i mean guys. thin Honor. air yeah. i mean it's thin yeah. air ball travels further it's ball a beautiful flies. city they got vitamins on every corner yeah. Yeah. from what i've been told up there deep ball i mean peyton's moved there i think peyton's yeah. like yeah i think peyton is like Home i love base, this place yeah. and he's been in a lot of different places obviously with different houses everywhere he said denver this is the place i'm going to stay at so I mean, maybe the city is uh, pretty tempting as well for old Aaron Rodgers. What will Aaron Rodgers do? That's what will be asked for the next, I don't know, 25 days? Yeah, yeah, just about. Is that, a, I think it's about 25 days? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get attacked so much for talking about Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I do, man. It is. It has become interesting as the show has gotten bigger. And I feel like, you know, good friend of the show, Aaron Rodgers, he is talked about in every show. Yeah. Like, it is. Oh, yeah. I wonder if... That has to become ridiculous, like for him. Like he has to. I, I don't know. And everybody just assumes, like, oh, he loves the attention. He loves all that. I don't think that's the case. I, I think if he no. was um, a recluse, I, I think he'd be okay with it, honestly. And I yeah. believe whenever this last off season, and he, I think he alluded to it when he said "War of Silence," talking about this upcoming one and his relationship with Gunther Kunz mm-hmm. being better. I do believe he like goes off the grid. Absolutely. I think think he goes off the grid. And that wouldn't be surprising because the same people that say he's an attention whore also say he's like a hippie and all this other stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know if those two are necessarily anywhere near in the same package of humans. So I I don't know if you can actually kind of piece those together. He has talked on this show. He's talked about a lot for sure. In all sports shows, he's talked about a lot. I wonder at what point do you just stop like feeling uncomfortable with everybody talking about everything you do. That would have to be fucking uncomfortable as hell. Yeah, especially when it's negative. Like, we, you experienced it the other day at Texas Roadhouse. It wasn't negative, but, like, you go out and the first thing on television is yourself. Like, how, how do you even yeah. Yeah. Get me react to that? Yeah. yeah. Give me a, by the way, I enjoyed the hell out of that Texas Roadhouse meal. They're oh, really cool. Delicious. Everybody's really cool. 
on the way out, I got like 10 people that are like, we didn't want to interrupt you, but what's up, dude? I was like, oh. Nice. Appreciate that. Very, very nice. Yeah. Now, I assume there was a lot of, you know. Yeah. Look at this fucking yeah. weird flow. Apps. <laughs> yeah. And, you, you know, you have to do that thing. But I, I absolutely loved going out there. But, yeah, my fucking big-ass dumb face on the screen. I was like, all right. There's enough of me around here already. Can we put it down? But for, I guess, whenever you're just around it for like 15, 20 years at this point, you just get used to it. Well, and I assume it's like we always say, you know, like he's aware of what's going on on like Twitter and stuff and like all that kind. But if you every you turn on the TV and you're on ESPN or NFL Network or whatever, and there's a good chance that they're going to talk about you within the next window that you're watching it. Like, I, why, why would you always want to be? It's like, oh, fuck, they're talking about me again. I don't want to listen to this shit. I just wanted to see what else is going on. And, and whenever you lose a game or you become the person that uh, is the figurehead for a very politicized thing. Yeah. yeah. Vaccinations. Can't escape. Exactly. You're going to get some heat, man. Yeah. yeah. He's turning it on and says, is Aaron ruining football on yeah. the bottom of the goddamn screen? Yeah, that's, a, that's the entire subject yeah. of the conversation. Anyways, he's not. But his future is something that a lot of people are talking about. Mm-hmm. And if John Elway and General George uh, Payton mm-hmm. said, you know, we're going to hire Nathaniel Hackett in hopes that he could potentially be the best recruiter for Aaron Rodgers, people would say that was chess. If it ends up working out in a good play. But right now, everybody's saying this is a desperate attempt to try to get a quarterback. It's all in how you frame it and how it works out. But, you know, when John Elway told Peyton Manning, hey, here's the keys to the entire building, basically. Do whatever you got to do. And then they win a Super Bowl. Oh, that's great leadership. That's great great leadership. But if they don't win a Super Bowl and they lose in the Super Bowl, they go, John Elway just handed over all responsibility to Peyton and they didn't get it done or whatever. So, like, it's... It's all bullshit, basically. But there is a lot of things to be left, you know, figured out. There's a lot of coaching openings still out there. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of conversation about who's going to get those jobs. Hackett. Dable is allegedly going down to Miami uh, uh, to the Dolphins. He's a, he's maybe the leading candidate now. Brian Flores is still interviewing with numerous places. I think it is just very interesting to me about how these decisions right now are judged. And we have no idea. Like when Pete Carroll was the coach at the Patriots. Yeah. He stunk. Mm -hmm. The worst. He stunk. I mean, they were bad. They were bad. Whenever he goes to USC, though, they were all pumped. Like, hey, this guy's going to turn around. He does. He goes to Seattle. If he would have been judged off of what he did in New England the first day he was hired in Seattle, that entire run up there of the Legion of Boom and Mm -hmm. that success is never even chatted about. You have no clue if somebody's going to be good or not. You can expect somebody because of their previous actions to do something, and maybe that's the expectation. But what if it's just it fits, it works, they get the right team around the person, and they all of a sudden have success? And on the flip side i don't think having a little bit of success somewhere else means jack shit about you going to where you're going you have to rebuild that entire thing urban meyer was talking i think to dan dockage and he said it was the most miserable he's ever been in his entire professional life because of losing and everything like that he's had a lot of success in places why could he not have success in the nfl it's just because you have no idea what you're building you have no clue yeah. until you get there will you be able to get the free agents that you want to bring in like nathaniel hackett there's no way he went in there for his head coaching interview and said oh that's what we're gonna do we're gonna get aaron Rodgers out yeah. of green bay <laughs> yeah and then it, it, there had to be a follow-up like well if that happens but if he does get aaron Rodgers to the denver broncos let's assume that he's gonna have a lot more success as a head coach yeah. than if they don't get aaron Rodgers, knowing that they each know each other inside and out i just think it's very difficult to judge the hirings right now because we have no clue what's going to happen and at the end of whoever's tenure whoever gets fired first here i don't even know if we'll even blame the coach for a lot of things it'll be like that whole 
They were doomed over the situation. The Jags, wide open. Saints, I mean, Sean Payton just retired two days ago, semi-retired. He might get back into coaching. He might do TV, not 100% sure. He just needed to step away. They are also $71 million (laughs) over the salary cap next Uh year. So I I respect him saying, you know, I don't want to take on the stresses of what next year is going to be. We're going to be playing Boston Connor and nose guard. (laughs) Dolphins allegedly Dayball is the new favorite, but who knows what's real and what isn't at this point. The Raiders... Have we heard anything still out of that? Still hearing, like, Harbaugh's still the name that I keep hearing for that. But Ian Rapport told us basically, like, haven't heard the NFL is interested at all. Yeah. Have heard that Jim Harbaugh may be interested. Yesterday they interviewed uh, the player personnel guy from the Steelers, Brandon Hunt, uh, who I thought was going to take over for Colbert since he's leaving after the draft, apparently. So I don't know if they're they're looking for a GM first before they do the coach over there. Dan Quinn has turned down, <laughs> I guess. He had <laughs> six interview offers and maybe he took a couple and said he's just going to return back to the Dallas Cowboys to be defense coordinator smart I think yeah had success you're a hero you got your backwards hat you're the guy you're doing that whole thing yeah why would you just want to jump right back into the oh fuck this guy's team stinks camp at least big Mike McCarthy is the shield for this this (laughs) team stinks yeah you can at least enjoy yourself but I guess the payday of a head coach and a defense coordinator is vastly different there's other jobs still open uh Texans Vikings I mean that's there's a lot to be figured out at this point, and I have no idea how it's going to end up. Well, and the Texans have basically already said that they're going to hire Josh McCown, right? And mm-hmm. we haven't heard any. I mean, they basically said that last week. Hey, we want we want someone to inter- interview this guy so that we can go ahead and just hire him right away. Like, if they they've already zeroed in on that, do you think they're even bringing people in for interviews? We have no idea if that's real or not, too. True. Yeah, the right. Josh McCown yeah. thing. We have no. It is. This is just like it's around draft time right now. Feels like we don't know what's real and what isn't. Oh, There's yeah. a couple teams circulating. Jim Caldwell, his name was bouncing around. I thought maybe he was going to get the Bears gig with yeah. Ryan Poles because Bill Polian was in there doing the interviews. They found Iberflus. They liked him. A lot of coaches getting hired today. Joining us now is our coach. Uh, I think he is obviously enjoying the hell out of retirement. We have seen him call from a beautiful log cabin at the top of the Rockies. Mm-hmm. Yep. We've seen him on the road in Chicago enjoying some, you know, good gabagool. I know. Today, I believe he's calling in from a beach in Mexico, <laughs> the <laughs> ever retired and happy, ladies and gentlemen, Chuck Pagano. Yeah! Look at this guy. You're glowing. Up, You're glowing. Well, can you? I don't know. Oh, Come on. My. It's just a little par three and then the Pacific Ocean beyond that. So life, <laughs> life's good, man. Good to see you. Hey, great to see you as well. Thank you for making time for us in the middle of that vacation. Please tell Tina we appreciate your uh, your mindset and brain here on a couple of interesting conversations that I think you would know a lot more about than us. There's a lot of conversations right now about who should be talking about what and how they should be talking about it in the sports media world. Okay, It all sounds like a bunch of bullshit to me, but if we're going to talk about head coaches getting hired and head coaches either staring down a lot of adversity or maybe having success whenever you think about Eberflus, Byron Leftwich, and now Hackett at Denver which one of those positions do you think is in the best spot and who do you think maybe in the end of this whole thing is the best coach down the line or is that just impossible to tell right now yeah that's a that's a roll of the dice I mean because you got all first timers obviously um taking over as as head football coaches um all come with great resumes uh, we we know that all come from you know winning deals. Uh, those guys, if you're on a losing team, you're just not getting reached out to. You don't have these opportunities, obviously. You know, yeah. so 
they've all got great pedigree. They've all got great resumes. You know, um, you step into the Denver job, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And, and we all know, you know, Aaron's deals up, uh, Devonte Adams deals up. They need a quarterback in Denver. Uh, they also need an uh, ownership group, all that. Um, so it would make sense that, hey, look, Hackett gets that job. Um, maybe this thing works out, you know, and, and he can influence, you know, Aaron to come that way, Devontae to come that way. They work out the money. They work out the cap. The cap's going to go up, you know, so uh, that's a great opportunity. You know, Leftwich, you know, uh, down in Jacksonville. Chuck, I don't- Chuck, Chuck, hold on. Yeah. So when Peyton was a free agent after he was cut, there was conversations that maybe people were offering up percentages of teams. With the Denver Broncos being up for sale, is there any, I mean, you wouldn't know this, this would be above both of our heads, and we should probably not speak about this, but you might know that if there's precedent or not. What if Aaron was a part of one of the ownership groups? He has experience with the Bucks, And he has money. Yep. And they're looking for it, and I think he's friends with some of the people in there. Could that happen? Is that something that could happen? Do we know anything about that? That's not something you and I would actually know the specifics of, but is that not something that could take place there? I mean, anything's possible, right? I mean, Peyton obviously is is trying to buy that right with a group. I think his name's involved with Elway and and a, and a group of uh, investors trying to buy that deal. And you know maybe they're gonna you know let Aaron in on you know part of it. But oh, it, no, any, anything's possible. <laughs> Nobody's I mean, got a fucking chance. Desperate times call for desperate measures. So anybody will do anything and everything to um, you know try to land a guy like that. Who knows? Chuck, you think you, you think Hackett went in there? And they asked him during the interview, do you think they asked him like straight up, uh, do you think there's a chance if we hire you as a head coach, you'll bring Aaron? And what the, I assume they also hired him with realistic expectations that they might not land Aaron, right? Because a lot of people talking, they're like, well, this is a package deal. You get Hackett, you get Aaron, you get Devontae. That is why they hired him. And maybe it was a desperate hire and an attempt to get better players at positions that they need better players at. But there's no way that is the sole reason, right? And, and Or do you think that that is something that the Broncos would roll the dice with, knowing that he's a good coach as well? Yeah, that would just be like, icing on the cake you know for me but he went in there and and obviously blew them away um on the interview you know george payton the general manager uh the upper brass there obviously you know uh, knew about you know hackett and and being a football lifer and coming from a football family i mean again his resume speaks for itself so i mean uh yeah, no, that that wasn't. Hey, look, we got to hire this guy because if we get if we hire this guy, forget if he's worth a damn as a head fo- as a coach. You know, we're going to get Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So, um, no, I just think they just look at that and say, if this does happen, if Aaron does start to you know test the waters uh, of free agency, you know, then we we probably have a decent shot knowing their re- uh, their relationship. We heard. Uh, you know, Aaron, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, talk about those guys on that staff and specifically about uh, Nathaniel and, and his football IQ and acumen and their relationship. So, yeah. How about Byron Leftwich going down there to be a head coach? Obviously, he was the offensive coordinator this past season uh, or a couple of seasons with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I assume he's done it before that. I should have done more research into his coaching run here, but he was a name that kind of grew fast, right, in the coaching ranks. This guy's played at a high level for a bad franchise. He's now coaching at a high level. He's won a Super Bowl. He's with Tom Brady. I think that entire narrative is big. What is the life change you think? Oh, is that who is that? Is that Tina Becker? No. 
That's Tina. She's back from a walk. Hey, <laughs> hey, Tina! Hey, aquí estamos. Hey, aquí estamos, mi amiga. Ha, hola. 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 Oh, what? Hola. Hey, Tina. How are you? Great to see you. Hey, hey, thanks for letting him chat with us in his villa next to the par three, next to the Pacific here in the middle of your beautiful vacation. We appreciate it. Uh, he, we love you. We love doing it. Oh, okay. Well, that's great news. There you go. Oh, yeah. there you hey, go. we love you guys, too. Hey, hey, hey. hey we love hey, you guys, hey, too. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, going to a head coaching position, though, from player to offensive coordinator for Byron Leftwich in a building that seems to be on fire all the time. And now there's a disagreement on who's doing the roster control. Balky's going to stick around or is it going to be Adrian Wilson and all that. How do you think that entire thing goes? How, what do you think is the biggest thing that Byron's going to see once you become a head coach that's a bit different than maybe a player or a coordinator in your eyes? Yeah, you're not in charge of just one side of the ball or the quarterback anymore. You're in charge of, you know, you're the face of the franchise. So, you know, Bruce, um, you know, did a great job with Byron over the years, and he groomed him uh, for this opportunity and mentored him. Uh, again, Byron's got a really good resume, obviously. Longtime player, well-respected uh, around the NFL circles and uh, about his, you know, football acumen and, and his football IQ. Always, always a smart, smart guy. Um, so, you know, and, and it makes sense going down there, you know, again, everybody's looking for the next, you know, McVay type guy, Lafleur, you know, everybody, the, the offensive guy, the quarterback whisperer, the guy that can go down there and, and get, you know, the quarterback, uh, you know, to a Trevor, to his, uh, his ceiling. Um, but again, he's going to have the responsibility of everything else. And so hiring the head coach, who's going to be the play caller and the quarterback coach, you know, he'll just have to go get the very best defensive coordinator and leave him, you know, he'll leave him alone, you know, like Bruce has done, you know, down in Tampa with Todd Bowles. So I think a lot of that same structure of how B.A. ran things and how he's used to running things in Tampa will carry over uh, and help him, you know, in Jacksonville. You know, I don't know if I mean, you read, you read, you know, on the Internet, this, that and the other about, you know, Balky is Balky in. Is, is Balky out? Who's the general manager going to be? So, um, you know, those dynamics are, are, are crazy, you know, when it comes down to it. So if Byron has that job, you know, and is going to be the guy and the other guy's out, then obviously they, they got the guy that they wanted and they gave him, you know, whatever leeway he was asking for in order to, you know, if you want me to be the head coach, this is how things got to be set up. Man, it's so interesting because the head coach GM relationship has to be real in cons down there, you know, in an interesting position because, okay, so I got this guy who has worked with Tom Brady, has a great resume, is well-respected player in the league. He used to play for this franchise. He's still beloved by this franchise. He's never been a head coach before. We have no idea how he's going, but it's got to be better than the guy who's never been an NFL head coach before that we just had. I mean, it has to be better <laughs> than Chop House. He comes in and then Byron Left, which is like, well, well I seen the clown town stuff though. Like, don't we need a fresh start? Now, Khan is thinking to himself, this is a first-time head coach. I've had zero success in doing this. I mean, what a that's a tough thing to do, I think. Like, kind of hire the right way. Hopefully, they'll be able to figure that out. Now, let's chit-chat about Eberflus up there in Chicago. And obviously, you coaching Chicago uh, at the end of your career, you got to experience the bear 
fans, okay, like Zito and many, many others. Fourth largest city in America. Uh, so it is, it is obviously a fan base that would like to see a winner again. What do you think Eberflus has to do? How do you think they landed on Eberflus? And do you think he has any shot at winning in Chicago? I, I mean, Chicago, it just feels like. Just doomed yeah. for whatever no. reason. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? For no reason. In Flus, we trust. Yeah, I mean, Eber Flus, Eber, Eber, whatever the case is. How do you see that going? And Ryan Pohl is first time general manager as well. He's former player. I like these former players getting these positions. I just, I feel like it's a lot harder to win in the NFL than we give anybody credit for. That's crazy. It must be really, really smart guys. I know Matt is a really good coach and a, and a smart a smart dude. He's a defensive guy, obviously. Yes. yes, you can win in Chicago. I mean, you're talking about one of the most iconic franchises in the history, 102 oh, yeah. years of football. Mm-hmm. George Stanley yes. Hallis. I mean, you, you have to win there. You don't, yes, you you don't have a choice. And, um, you know, they've, they've got good players. And the big thing for me with, with Matt is he'll, he'll run the defensive side and he'll select those guys. Um, and like Byron, they got to surround themselves with, with really good people and really good teachers and really good coaches. And so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, and I wonder about those talks, uh, you know, when he's interviewing for that job, who his offensive coordinator is going to be. Because to me, you know, when he sat down with, you know, they had Polian, like you said, involved. Tony Dungy, uh, you know, I, I hear was involved in that process. Um, obviously, close, close connection to the Colts. I think Poles, Eberflus share the same agent. So there's always that connection, you know, when you're talking, you know, and you're interviewing, you know, um, you know, it's easy to put these pieces oh, no. to the puzzle together. Once you figure <laughs> out, and you, you, you know, you find out some of these things, you know, how these things go down. Um, but they, this agent put these two together and, and they got along. Like you'd mentioned, the, you know, head coach, you know, GM relationship is, is got to be, you know, really, really tight and they got to be able to get along because you're on the day to day grind and the expectation, and the pressure. But to me, the biggest thing would be, OK, who's going to be this guy's OC? What system is he going to run? Who's he going to go grab to develop and get, you know, Justin Fields, you know, to, to his ceiling? Because they've got good offensive weapons. they got a good runner in Montgomery. You know, uh, a Rob's up, you know, uh, on, on offense as far as receiver, but Mooney, a good young receiver, need to fix the offensive line. But Matt will go in there. He'll, he'll, do, a, he'll do a nice job. And, you know, the expectations aren't going to change there. They want to win there, and they want to win bad. Well, they deserve it, especially with how loyal their fan base is. They've, they've really they fought through it all, it feels like. Oh, yeah. yeah. And this yeah. is just like another Cubs situation almost. It's starting to become. And Next year's the year. The Cubs broke the curse. They did. The they Cubs did. were able to break the curse. A little happiness Great was day. able to come to Chicago. Uh, Ryan Poles, I'm fucking pumped for him. Yeah. yeah. Showing up in a Benzo. Hey, did you oh, see yeah. him show up in that Benz, too? Get out of that whole thing. Former players becoming GMs. I love it. I fucking and love it. And the trenches it. guy, too. Did you, hey, did you see the size of Cody had on? Woo! He got up that Benz. Hey. It looked like it was 50 below zero. <laughs> it was, asshole. It hey, was. we're in America here, okay? It is. It is freezing cold here right now. Yeah, I know I know you're catching a tan, you know, going back to the southern Italian olive mm-hmm. skin. Like, I understand that. We are freezing our fucking asses. Oh, wow. God. This guy. This guy. <laughs> Go look at the ocean. Um, no, that's amazing. I mean. I saw that picture of, of Poles, you know, as an undrafted free agent, you know, rookie there at Chicago. And then the, today's picture, you know, uh, before and out, it's crazy. But, again, they must have – I mean, he's got to be a smart guy. 
um, you know, and they went from that same that same KC tree, you know, go back to that place that has success and and know what's going on and and you know being around Brett Veach and that whole organization for so long, uh, you know, I wish him all, all the success in the world. Seems like a, a good guy. I don't know him, um, but. Again, it's like the honeymoon's already over. You know, when you pull up in that Benz or whatever, yeah. and you've got that coat on. You're heading on. You're going into that building. You know, he's got his head coach in place. But shoot, roll up your roll up your sleeves because you're going to go to work. You're going to earn every cent of that check you got. Yeah, pretty blue collar up there. They had him fly coach, I think, and then they picked wow. him up at the oh, yeah. uh, at the airport. George picked him up though. Yeah, uh, yeah they picked him up at, at at O'Hare, I think. It was O'Hare. Yeah. Drive two hours to the facility. That's right. <laughs> you know, do the whole thing. Yeah, real wine and dine up there, but I, I like to keep the work ethic. You know, keep oh, that yeah. blue collarness up there. Uh, I hope the Bears turn it around. That'd be good for everybody. Former player at GM, though, I am very very pumped. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Chuck. How hard is it for coaches to replace some of these coordinators like do you think frank already has a guy set in place to be the dc for the colts and same with the packers like do they have a replacement for hackett or does that not really matter as much because of guys like darius leonard and aaron Rodgers who can already run those sides of the ball yeah no a great question because nobody wants to have to replace your guys i mean you want to champion you want to uh, promote them and push them for these jobs but but then you better have a laundry list of guys and, and, a, and a line of guys uh, available. And I think these guys, you know, Lafleur is a smart guy, and he's got guys, you know, in the ranks that know the system that he can just elevate. And whether that's, you know, Getsy, I think his name was, the Getsy. quarterback coach, maybe, you know, he seems like the most logical guy. guy, you know, that was getting some play, getting some talk about him, some interviews um, that knows that system. So, uh, you know, Frank's got, you know, guys on his staff. Uh, it's always easy because it's hard because when you're good and you play good and you've got those uh, players. Sorry about that. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Do you have a massage? Are we, we're probably there. A massage probably happening. A little spritzer. A little, you got a little somebody put uh, some sunscreen on. Is that what's going on there? Sorry about that. <laughs> No, yeah, no. I can't go into great detail about it right now, but um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so we'll discuss that later on. Um, No, but those guys have, you know, because it's, you want to keep, you know, the system, the terminology, all those things. So if you've got somebody in house, Connor, you know, that you've been grooming in case you lose guys, because those guys know when you get good, you hire good coaches and you have success, you know, you're going to lose them. And then it's really, really hard to, to find guys. And, you know, guys that are at other places, too, that you may covet, if they're under contract, you know, especially if they're in the same conference or the same division, those people ain't letting them out. That's why you sign those contracts. You know, they're a double-edged sword. You get the, you know, the protection for your family and stuff. But when it comes time to be able to move, um, sometimes you can if you're under contract at another place. Iron clad contract lock them in don't let them go within a division especially to there that team's too good to get our guys um sean payton just out of nowhere uh, maybe not out of nowhere i assume he had to think about this for a long time them being 71 million dollars over the cap probably came into thought as well about oh what is next season going to look like when 
Do you think he has thought about this for a while? What, at what point did you know, like, hey, you're done with this shit? Was it a family situation? Was it personal? Was it at work you weren't having as much drive? Like, what do you think led Sean Payton at, because this is a weird time to kind of have it happen. Now, I, 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 they're still early in the process. The coaching cycle is still happening. If any other coaches in the future were to be fired or retired, that's much different. But obviously now, what do you think led to this? And am I putting too much stock into them being $71 million over the salary cap affecting how coach is going to feel going into a season because I think that had to weigh heavy on him on what they were going to have to rebuild but I might be wrong there what do you think yeah no all of the above you know and I think 15 years there right yeah what a I got so much you know respect for Sean Payton had a baby Sean thank you Sean us too by the way we've heard he's a guy we've heard he has really I mean you know there's a shelf life you know for all these jobs and and some of them very few of them uh, last as long as, um, you know, his tenure down in New Orleans. Fifteen years, you know, won a Super Bowl. Um, his record speaks for itself. And I think just sometimes you, um, you know, I always said, like, when this becomes work, you know, then I'm then I'm probably done, you know, because it was never work to me. And I'm sure to, to Sean it was it was never work. And, and sometimes you just reach a point where, you know, you, you just – it's time for a change and for him uh, you know what he's done down there he may not think he can do anything more you know for that franchise or for that city and sometimes it just you know change is good because it's it's good and it's you know the message gets maybe stale um the same you know whatever becomes just a, a, a little bit stale and it's it's time for a change and i think you know he sacrificed so much and gave so much to the game and so much of his time to that organization and that team that, you know, sometimes you just need a break. And if that's a year, if that's two years, if he's done, then, you know, hats off to Sean and the job that he's done and the impact that he's had on the National Football League and on so many players uh, in that city and that organization. He's top shelf, man, A++ coach and person. And, um, and I think he, I think he's done because you know it's teams are obviously like when he comes available, and I know they own his rights. I think he had three years left on his contract, you know. So um, I think he probably talked to them and say, "Look, I'm stepping down, and there's things written in this contract. Obviously, it belongs to them. That if somebody you know really coveted Sean, uh, which is probably a lot of these jobs that are still open, they're going to reach out to the agent and say, "Hey, look, is this for real, or is there a chance to maybe you know bring him into our, our program?" You know, if, if possible, hey, you know, ahead. so but I think because of the contract, I think he takes takes a year, maybe a little bit of TV, maybe a little bit of nothing. I highly recommend Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of something, you know, being in the Gulf where he's at right now in New Orleans, it wouldn't be far for him. But, um, yeah, whatever he decides, you know, that year off, I took an 18, you know, when I got let go at Indy. That was like one of the best years of my life. Just reset, recharge, regroup, evaluate, all that kind of stuff. And then you come back roaring, ready to go. And maybe that's what, maybe that's just what he needs. He's a great coach. And hearing you sing his praises was awesome there. It's obvious you have a lot of respect for him, as do a lot of people. Uh, I mean, the onside kick call in the second half of that fucking Super Bowl was bullshit. <laughs> you know, it was kind of bullshit. And the refs, I believe, said it was Colts ball. And then they... You know, kind of went back on it because mm-hmm. there's still a scrum at the bottom of it. Whatever the case, I'm probably wearing a Super Bowl as a pinky ring right now uh-huh. if Obviously. that doesn't happen. But congrats to Sean Payton. I've heard he's a great guy. Yeah. And his shoe collection is fucking Whew. nasty. Congrats, yeah. Sean. Congrats, yeah. Sean. Hey. 
Hey, you... as, a, as a defensive coach going up against Sean Payton and his offenses, nightmare. Why? Well, he uses so many different personnel groups. They don't signal those personnel groups. So they just run different bodies in, you know, and it could be two guys, three guys, four guys, and you've got a guy in the box that does your personnel because all of our defenses and calls are based on, you know, situation, down distance, and what personnel they got in the game. And which is why, by the way, which is why the offense can sub, and then there has to be time for the defense to sub because everything is run off the personnel that the offense brings in. You can go ahead, though. Absolutely. But then, you know, they're running guys in, and they're running guys out, and it ends up being the same personnel. So as a defensive play caller, you end up guessing and like, well, what is it? Is it, is it twelve? Is it twenty-one? Is it, is it eleven? You know, and and it's crickets, 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 because you don't really know. I mean, the guy who's doing personnel when you're playing the Saints, that's a nightmare. Yeah. That guy in the box that's trying to give the coordinator, hey, they're in this, you know, and you don't hear anything and you don't know. And next thing you do is. You got like a nickel defense, a dime package, which is set up for three and four wides. And you're going against, you know, 13 personnel, a bunch of big freaking tight ends and extra linemen. And they're running the ball down your throat, you know. So he did a he did a phenomenal job and so creative. What a, a masterful mind. OK, masterful play caller. All right. That's awesome to hear. I'm excited to see what Sean Payton does. We're going to check out that uh, documentary about him coming to Netflix uh, with oh, yeah, Kevin yeah. James. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Hopefully good. I get a chance to meet uh, Sean Payton in person, have a conversation with him. I've heard he is electrifying to have a uh, convo with. I heard he has. You got to get him on the show. That's what I've heard. He'd be awesome. That's what I've heard. I've been told that by a lot of people. So hopefully that'll happen at some point. Can't wait to meet him. Good guy. Good career. Fuck off for the onside kick thing. Let's go to uh, Ben Roth. There he is right there. Sean. Is that? <laughs> Was that Sean Payton? Was that from? Holy shit. That was that's Sean Payton from the Super Bowl. No, that's Kevin James. Kevin James. Kevin James. Uh, what? Wait, what? Thank you, Sean. I think it's Ke- no, that's no, Kevin. No, that's-, that's Kevin. Really? Oh, sorry. Doug Heffernan. That's hey, Kevin James. Yeah. Dude, get out. It's Kevin James, bro. All right, that's not Sean. Stop it. Yeah, maybe it might be. Yeah, Sean. Yeah, where'd the photo it, come from? Yeah. Is that AP? That, that is AP. All right. So, well, line coach in the background. We'll have, to, we'll have to dive into it a little bit. Okay, let's move on. Another person who I assume was difficult to strategize for has officially announced his retirement this morning. Uh, you were with the Ravens for a little bit there, and uh, obviously you were, I think you were at the Browns. I don't know if it was at the time that this dude was playing, but Ben Roethlisberger has officially retired. What made him uh, a guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, what made him? Because th- now the debates are he has two Super Bowls. His stats are this. His stats are that. Then there's obviously the conversation about the the program he was a part of and what the defense was the entire time. I mean that's happening uh, on TV right now. Orlovsky's breaking it down. Yeah. What, it, what from a football standpoint? What made Ben Roethlisberger so good? I, I, I mean. He had some great days against us a couple of times. I mean, he had some. Martavis Bryant is still running, I think, <laughs> at one point. But what made him so great, you think, Chuck? He was a, a phenomenal freaking player. And my four years in Baltimore, you know, going up against him, you know, twice a year. I mean, the guy was, you know, a, a top competitor, so big and so strong that – you know, you could pressure this guy and you could go after him with four or five, whatever it was. And right when you thought you had, you know, him, you know, hemmed up, he's got two, three, four guys hanging off of him. And he's still got that ball in his right arm and he's still completing balls, you know, down the field. We lost one season. I think we lost all three games. His ability to extend plays 
like long before these this new generation of guys, the Mahomeses and the Allens and things like that, this guy was so big and so strong and had such a great ability to extend plays and find guys down the field. You know, one year we lost, I think, both regular season games and the AFC championship game just on like extended plays, you know, him throwing to Santonio Holmes, you know, and the plays that he made to Heinz Ward and Antoine Randall, you know, and you can say, yeah, you know, um, the defense, this, that, and the other, that guy is a is a first ballot yeah. Hall of Fame. How I mean, with, without question, you know, two Super Bowl wins. I mean, that guy, I mean, the play that he makes, you know, at Indy, you know, after the bus fumbles, oh, you know, yeah. the play that he makes to trip old boy up and, and win that game for, I mean, I mean, I could go on and on. The 522 yeah. pass yards he had on us and six tutties, you know, we went to Pittsburgh that year. I mean, the guy, the guy is just, he's phenomenal. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, anybody can say whatever they want. Getting ready, you know, to play against Ben and to game plan against him because he, he was never down. And we always told our guys, you know, if you come clean off the edge, just come under control, come to balance. Just get him wrapped up. Get his right arm. We used to say, get his right arm wrapped up, so that his ball would be pinned against his chest. But he would—you didn't have the he right would arm. Throw it. <laughs> he would throw it around the arm, though. Grab and it you, on the other side and throw he it. He still had that thing. He was still making plays down the field. And I remember D-backs coming clean off the edge, and we have free runners and Haruki Nakamura coming off the edge in Baltimore one year, and Throwback. he's got a free shot on him and just sidesteps him, gets out of the pocket, throws a touchdown pass, and we're like, what do you not understand about just coming under control? <laughs> <laughs> well, because even if you do that, he'll literally just stand with you on on. He was he just refused to go down, it felt like, there for a long time. And we're watching old throwback highlights of him because a lot of people just see him now where he's throwing it half a second after it's snapped and he could still sling it. He used to be, like, quick. He used to be able to run and move. He, it was always like a lumber, you know? It was always like a big-ass lumber. But he was... No, sneaky, sneaky athletic, sneaky fast, uh, especially in the early years. Um, his ability to, you know, hard count you, you know, even before, like, what Aaron does, and he catches people, uh, you know, with 12 on the field. But backed up, he was the best at hard count and get you to jump and then throw one up for grabs. And most of the time, it was a free play. And, and most of the time, every one of their route concepts would convert into this all-go, and he would just murder you with it. It's third and 14. You've told your guys, earmuffs, earmuffs, key the ball, you know, don't listen to snap count, and what do they do? <laughs> and then they jump off sides. He chucks it deep to one of those speedsters, you know, and, and next thing you know, it's it's first and ten at your plus 45, you know, fresh set of downs. Um, amazing player. Congratulations to, to Big Ben. Um, he tormented, you know, not only myself and teams that I was a, a part of for a long time, but but what a what a phenomenal Hall of Fame career he had. And I we don't know if he birthed this or not, but it is one of his favorite, you know, sign language signs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He does it all the time. And he even does it with a wave, and then he drops into it when he sees certain people. Uh, hi to you. Fuck you. <laughs> love you. See you later. <laughs> Hell of a run there by Ben. Last question here, Chuck. We can't thank you enough for joining us. Go ahead, Tone. Uh, Chuck, we had a good conversation about this yesterday about Antonio Brown. Do you think the juice is worth the squeeze? Do you think another team is potentially going to sign him because he is so good? Uh, again, you know, Tone, I don't, I don't think you never say never, right? Um, it looks like he can still, 
you know, play at a certain level. But again, with, you know, the track rec- record being, you know, what it is, um, would it shock me? No, it, w- it would not shock me because, you know, people that are maybe a one player away, two players away, and you can add this guy to your to your roster and you feel like you got the coaching staff, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the locker room, the OGs to handle handle this guy, you know, they'll vet him. Somebody will vet him and figure out, okay, is he okay? Is he not okay? What's going on with him? Obviously, you know, he's got his stuff going on with the Bucks right now. The more that goes on, though, I would have to say that, you know, if, he just shut things down and let everything calm down and let these coals kind of simmer, you know, and this fire burn out a little bit and just kind of disappear for a little bit and then kind of resurface without all this drama, you know, surrounding him and his his whatever. Um, yeah, I don't – I wouldn't be shocked, but – hey. The NFL doesn't normally do great whenever you're suing one of their teams. You know, like the NFL. Like, and by the way, he. It sounds like he has a lot of valid, valid arguments. His his attorney is ready to go. They're on Real Sports, which is a massive platform, saying the entire thing. I'm not saying he shouldn't. Whatever. If he feels he's been wrong, then there's uh, legis legis no, legislate no. That's not right. Legislation's the rules. Mm-hmm. But okay, if he has a case. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Like, go do your thing. But I think the NFL in the past, if you sue one of their, like, I, I think that is going to be tough to get in there. I'm not sure, but everybody wants to win. He's an incredible player, so who knows how it'll work out. We can't thank you enough for joining us, Chuck. Have an incredible vacation. We hope the Gobblegool's fantastic, and go enjoy that Pacific Ocean, pal. Yes, sir. Great to see you guys. Take care. You too, ladies and gentlemen. Coach Chuck Bogona. So sorry to interrupt, but I want to let you know that if you're not gambling with FanDuel, you're wrong. Okay, FanDuel Sportsbook is available in uh, seven states, I believe, at this point. Uh, six, seven, eight. You get it. If you're not gambling with FanDuel Sportsbook, though, you're completely wrong. And if we're not in your state yet, we are coming to your state. We have better odds. We have a much easier to use app. The convenience is next level. The people at FanDuel actually refund people when they shouldn't refund people, giving back hundreds of millions and millions of dollars to their users. FanDuel Sportsbook is the best sportsbook going for a lot of reasons, most of them what I just said. Uh, We are very thankful for our partnership with FanDuel, obviously. There are so many different ways to win. There's more things to bet on. Their boosts seem to always hit, which is just fucking themselves over time and time again. Uh, We love the hell out of FanDuel Sportsbook, and you will too. If you haven't used it yet, use it now. Also, there's fantasy on there, daily fantasy, and free-to-play games where you can win money. Shout out to FanDuel, shout out to you. Let's get back to the show. Joining us for an incredible conversation, first time on the show, is a man whose name is synonymous with NFL electricity. A guy that changed the game completely, not only at Virginia Tech, but then when he came to the NFL, I seen him throw a football out of a stadium. Yeah, that's right. Then he can shake the shit out of anybody. And now he is the host of the Gaming Society Football Show, which airs Thursday nights on Fubo Sports Network at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Vick. Yeah! What's up, dude? What's good, fellas? What's up, AJ? What's up, Pat? Hey, how are you, man? Did you you ever play against AJ? Yeah, I was just thinking. um, 2010, did did we play against each other, AJ? 
Yeah, we did in the playoffs. Mike actually got pissed at me. I'm glad you're you're on. You, uh, I think you thought I was trying to bend you back on a goal line play. You were trying to score, and that you you yeah. started getting mad, yelling. At me. I was like, man, I, I think I might even apologize. I like, man, I wasn't trying to bend you back, man. I was just happy to not have to tackle you in the open field. Like somebody already had your leg. We still got beef here, or are we AJ, good? AJ, you told me to shut the hell up and suck it up. Uh, Mike, I would assume that everybody that played against you does remember or have a story about playing against you. You were a player that right. completely flipped the game on its head, obviously, years and generations ahead of time. Uh, do you think about what your game could be now in the modern age? And are you happy that guys who literally emulated you, looked up to you, idolized you, are now getting their time to shine in the NFL more often? Yeah, all the time. I watch these offenses right now, how dynamic, dynamic these guys look, uh, how they've just taken it to another level. And I always give a lot of credit to the offensive coordinators because these guys are super talented, uber talented, but you got to still bring that out. And you got offensive coordinators like Brian Dable and guys around the league helping guys like Josh Allen become the best version of themselves. Cliff Kingsbury with Kyla. You know, these guys are, are, are taking off in, in, in a different direction and if I'd have played in today's time, it would have been curtains. But look, this this is not my era. I look, this is not my era. I acknowledge that, and uh, it's good to see the game elevating. Though it's good for the league. Hey, the conversation around like Lamar and even with Josh Allen now is he's becoming a power running back at different times. And any other guy that runs a lot is your one hit away, right? You're one hit away yeah, yeah, yeah. in the NFL. You're one hit away. Lamar, even though he has the ability to make people miss, he does get hit hard. He's one hit away. Is that something right. that should be a legitimate like concern for people? Or is it like you're, you're handcuffing some guys if you don't let them run and don't let them be the best versions of themselves? Yeah, you are handcuffing them. Uh, but I think it's a way to do it where it's strategic. And I, I think about Josh Allen and the way they use him. Occasionally, you'll see a quarterback sweep or a quarterback power, but you can't abuse it. You know, you those guys, everybody's really one hit away. But your quarterback is a guy that you pay all the money to, and you want this guy to be sustainable and durable. And uh, he got to have longevity if, if he's a franchise guy. So you got to look at the broad spectrum to make sure you, you plan them the right way, giving them the best opportunity, but protecting them at, at the same time. Mike, when you look at these quarterbacks that are left in the playoffs right now, a guy that people always point to, Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo in San Fran, there's all these – people want to talk about how he's playing, doesn't have a bunch of touchdown passes and crazy numbers, but the dude wins and his team loves him. I guess when you watch Jimmy play, like what do you see and what do you like about him? I see a guy who's super confident who believes in himself when the whole world is, is barreling down on him. He puts himself in a position where he thrives and he excels off, uh, you know, just his personal motivation. Like You look at his, his win-loss record, you know, he's way above 500. Way. Um, he, he always make the right play. Sometimes he'll make a play that, that that's goofy, but who doesn't do that? At the end of the day, when you're looking at Jimmy G, he's winning games and he's a leader. And even – it seems like his teammates look to him, uh, you know, as a guy who got all the answers. You know, when, it, when you know, the clock is, is ticking and who, who, who you want the, the ball in the hands of. And it seems like it's Jimmy G as of right now. He's proven that time and time again. So I think consistency is a mark of a great quarterback. It always will be. And uh, Jimmy G is pretty consistent. It feels like all of his teammates come out and 
like put them over. So I, that yeah. that means a lot to me. I think whenever ex teammates yeah. come come out and say, "Hey, I like the guy," that means behind closed doors, he's also a guy you would want to be representing your squad. Right. Let's go around some up, right. uh, some other quarterbacks. Obviously, in this era, Patrick Mahomes has been deemed the next one. Right? They're talking yeah. about him competing with Tom Brady in his second or third year in the NFL because of how much he's already accomplished hosting another AFC Championship game. When you see his game, what do you think about it, and why do you think he's had so much? success when i look at patrick i instantly think about russell wilson and, and, and a young russell when russell first came in and it was like where did this guy come from it it was it was a fast-paced game that he played but it was it was under control and it was slowed down to a point where you can't really hit him you can't get a clean shot on him he's gonna make you miss he give you a, a stutter step he's not even the fastest like he's he's more in control of his game than the guy like myself um than some of the more uh, elusive quarterbacks who you know, we we got we kind of get out of control. Patrick, Andy knew exactly what he was getting when he drafted Patrick. He knew exactly what Patrick was going to be. Um, and, and it's not surprising to me because I was in training camp with him and I saw the development. I seen him interacting with Alex Smith. I seen him wanting to become a football savant and wanting to learn the game. And w- when you had Alex and you got Alex Smith and Andy Reid in, in the same room, Matt Nagy was in there. You know, his background was extensive dating back to our days in Philadelphia. So it was just offense. It's offense everywhere. And he's going to continue to to get better each and every year. What do you mean you get out of control a little bit, unlike uh, Patrick Mahomes? What do you mean? You mean it? Yeah. I I wanted them yards. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted every yard. AJ, I tell you, in that game we played, I wanted every yard I could get. I wasn't thinking about sliding. Everything is about, you know, beeline to the sideline, a beeline right up the middle. No, these guys are taking off three-quarter speed because you want to control now. Now you can maintain to be a passer as opposed to a runner passer. You're a passer runner. And when I look at my career and look back at that, I'm like, I should have did more of that. I might have had more passing yards. I'm not satisfied with having 22,000 passing yards. You know what I'm saying? I'm not satisfied with that. But, you know, that was my career. Still had like 6,000 rushing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean – I got to be proud about something, fellas, you know? Hey, you you should be, obviously, your football career. And I think you've had your lumps off the field. And I think it's potentially because of, you know, whenever you grow up in a certain way, there is learning curves that come with obviously being thrusted into the spotlight and making mistakes. Do you think not only on the field, off the field, you had no idea how important your position was at the time? Like you said, you're trying to get these yards. I'm reckless, basically. Do you think that moment in that like title in the weight of the world on your shoulders, you didn't recognize at the time? And what was it like going through all of that shit to realize like, oh, everything I do, people are going to know about and have an opinion about because I'm an NFL quarterback now. You're talking about the broader spectrum when you look at the quarterback position and everything it embodies. I think about some of the things I did, some of the gestures I made. I stuck my middle finger up at the crowd. I might have said some things in post-game presses that, you know, was very vulgar and, uh, you know, created some form of disconnect. And I'd be like, what type of idiot I was being in the position that I was in. You're the quarterback, you're the franchise guy of a National Football League, a team in the National Football League. And you don't understand the magnitude of it when you're young. That's why I like where these young quarterbacks are because they're coming into situations where they got people who in the building care about where they're going to be in 15 years. You know, what they what their career going to look like post-career. You know, you set up properly, you create the relationships, you, you embody being 
that guy, you embody being a franchise guy, and you embrace that, and you walk around like that, and you you throw your suit on. We used to go on road games, and I used to, you know, have a a fitted, you know, a, a jacket on with a hoodie and jeans, and all my guys around me got suits on and looking good. And I'm like, I suppose been the first guy on the bus with the shopping suit on, tailored, fitted, and, and and looking like the franchise guy. And uh, you know, so you young when you young, you do certain things that. You know, obviously, you think about it 10 years, you know, from that point, you like, damn, I wish I would have done it better. But I see the learning curve, and I'm glad these young guys getting it now, doing it better. Mike, you mentioned some some coaches earlier that you played for, and I mentioned it a lot on here. Like, I feel like the most important position on a coaching staff is whoever's calling the offensive plays. Like, they can, right. they can have the largest impact, good or bad, on the team. Like, how important yeah. is that for a quarterback, especially, to get to a team where, yeah, you have some players around you, but – I think most importantly, you have a coaching staff that puts you in position to make plays. And hold on, Mike, before you answer that, I want to add on to that. I assume you and offensive coordinators didn't get along at the time because you just, like, I mean, you were the play, right? I mean, most of the time? Yeah. No, I had good offensive coordinators. I had guys who they understand. Dan Reeves was a great offensive coordinator, and then I got Greg Knapp, who was a good offensive coordinator. I made Pro Bowls with all these guys. Every coach I I played for, I I made the Pro Bowl. I had some success, so I, I have to give them credit for that, and you know, it was a lot of hard work in between. But, you know, AJ, to ask your question and, and you know, just everything in parallel, it you have to have a guy who understands your skill set, I think, most importantly. And and he, he has to know, like, and you got to be honest as a quarterback. Like, Coach, I'm not comfortable making these throws. I'm not comfortable trying to attack this area of the field. Uh, if, if there's a blitz that you, you're watching on film that you can't pick up in a certain protection. You got to open the doors up for questions. You got to you got to talk it through. You got to have that relationship with an offensive coordinator. I think that's so important. And more importantly, you know, I always say, you know, coaches make players. You know, we can have all the talent in the world, but you get with an offensive coordinator who don't know nothing. You're not gonna be. You're not gonna generate offense. And that, it's just that simple. He has to know you. You got to know him and. When you hear that play call coming in, you got to know why it's coming in. Hey, do you think some places are just like there's some buildings it feels like that are just always going to suck, Mike? I mean, you know, like Jacksonville's yeah. hiring a new head coach right now. Good luck to Byron. Like, hey, I think we all love, like, I'm happy to see former players get head yeah. coaching jobs and GM oh, jobs. They hire, hire Byron? Uh, it's alleged. It's allegedly, allegedly, okay, allegedly all right, all right. like, d- done deal or whatever. They're trying to I figure hope out. So. Yeah, so do we, by the way. More players in those right. roles are awesome, right. we think. But do you think some buildings are just like, natural disasters waiting to happen for instance and this is not our opinion but this is a national opinion basically sam darnold didn't have an opportunity under adam uh, adam gase and then he gets hurt and he doesn't have christian mccaffrey so we never know right. if his career is going to be good daniel jones right. he has like his fourth offensive coordinator in like four years we don't know if he's ever going to be good do you think there are some situations that that is very valid or do you think some players can rise above all that bullshit and they're the reason why coaches stick around and why there is consistency it's only certain players that can rise above that path. I mean, like, it's extremely hard, you know, to overcome walking into a building and, and having to really be in control because you're so young, you really don't know what's going on. Yeah. You know, as a quarterback, you're leaning on certain people in that building for advice and, you know, to show you the way. And you can't necessarily step in and be a guy who, uh, you know, takes control instantly of, of an organization and young guys get put in that position. So it's a collective effort all across the board. And, you know, these teams are going to slowly but surely start to realize 
we get a guy here who we know we can win with. We got to take care of him. We got to surround him with the right talent. And it's unfortunate that a lot of quarterbacks, they, they get what coaches are just not going to be good for them. And that's just the nature of the business. Some of us get lucky and have great stellar offensive careers. And some of us, they, they we fade out, you know, and, uh, you know, it's all about who you're around. So I was blessed to be around some coaches who helped help me understand the game better and help me play better. And I think it's, it's really about the quarterback, you know, wanting to really please your coaches and show them I'm, I'm learning, I get it, and I can go execute it. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see about a lot of these guys, like Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. have, like, hopefully Byron will be able to go in there and have success yeah. for him. But there's a chance that that turns over two, three times in the next four years. Not that Byron sure. will get fired, but for just natural yeah. of the beast there. And we will literally, oh, Trevor Lawrence was good, but I, he wasn't good in the NFL. Why, though, you know? I, I, yeah, I like I like the fact that, see, because we all played the game, so we know what goes on internally in the building. So we can speak on a different level. And, and But I like players former players who become coaches because they you know and i'm not saying that you got to play the game to be a great coach there's a lot of great coaches who haven't played the game or never touched the ball never made a tackle never caught a pass who uh, are very successful in their own right some got rings but i think the guys who know to understand the game played it know what it's like when you know it's two hours before kickoff know when it's what it's like when that ball is about you know, you, you can give guys the answers that they need to calm them and settle them down and kill that anxiety so they can go just be the best version of themselves. So, you know, I, I think that kind of as, as players become coaches, it, it translates. I just think about D'Amico Ryan and the job he's doing now. You know, I, I played with him in Philadelphia uh, for three years, and now he's one of the top defensive coordinators in the game, you know, coming behind Robert Sala and having some tutelage and former players. So that, that's really cool to see. Agreed. What about uh, the Bengals and Joe Burrow? So I, I live in Ohio, so I, there's there's a frenzy out here with the, the following yeah. the Bengals. Are you surprised at all to see the Bengals? Yeah, we know how great they were for the regular season, but I don't know if everyone expected them to get this far and have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Are you surprised at all? I'm going to be honest with you, AJ. I'm very surprised. <laughs> I mean, why? I'm very surprised, man. Like I can't sit here and say, like, no, I'm not surprised. I, I knew Joe Burrow had the talent. I knew Joe Burrow had the talent. From from what he did last year, but for them to piece this whole thing together in in 24 months, like from the time they drafted this man to getting him the right coordinator, getting the right pieces around him, understanding we got to make protect this young guy, make sure that he's we get him everything he want. I just spoke about that. They go get Jamar Chase. I mean, Jamar Chase, one of the top players in the league now, and and so so it's it's so good to see, man. Like we know, we're gonna see Cincinnati for the next couple of years or the next upcoming ten years, you know, to watch them. That's gonna be exciting. Hey, and I think you're—I assume you're in Florida. That appears to be a enclosed environment in a pool area, maybe in the yeah. back. You yeah, have, yeah, it's enclosed. Yeah, you have an indoor facility. The Bengals don't. Okay, uh-huh. that, that is just—we have to—we have to remember that. Your question, Ty, Mike. You mentioned Philadelphia, and obviously you go there and win Comeback Player of the Year. How much of that? Because I, I think you had your best passing season statistically when you got there. How right. much of that was you just being more mature and kind of realizing what you could do? And how much of that was being under Andy Reid? And did you find that like defenses and other guys in the league kind of? just assume that you wouldn't be back because you were out of the game for a couple years there. And how satisfying yeah. was that when like you, you started to perform well and kind of showed everyone like, Hey, I'm, I'm still the same guy I always was. Yeah. That, that was more so about being around Andy, man, more than anything. 
uh, it was a different um, locker room too. You know, you walk into the locker room, you see all these players, you see all this potential, and you're like, man, if I just put it together myself, if I take the time and put time in and learn exactly how to get these guys the ball, um, be the leader in the locker room, then, then we can have some success. I didn't think that I would play in that first game against you guys, AJ, um, when uh, Kevin Cobb went down. Uh, you know, I didn't know I was going to get thrust in. You know, felt like I wasn't ready, but, you know, that kind of catapulted everything and got that season going. And then Andy made me the starter after, you know, after about three weeks. But the, the detail that I was given at the quarterback position, I can only imagine what Patrick Mahomes is getting from Andy now. Twelve years later, with the game changing and transcending, uh, I just looked at their playbook. And every week I got my game plan on Tuesdays. I was excited. I, I could see touchdowns. I could see first downs. I could see third down conversions. And I knew we was going to have success because I knew I was dealing with a different coach who understood me as a player. And that was really cool. I assume you were a different person too, though, right? At that point? Yeah, you, most definitely. Whenever you get to spend, <clears throat> obviously everybody knows that you ended up having to do some time or whatever. And you came I, back. I was going to say that. Yeah, I was going to say when I was in prison, I told myself when I come home, when I get out of here, not only do I want to do things right off the field and make amends for some of the things that I've done, but I want to be that quarterback who my coach can trust in pat in the passing game. Let me throw it fifty times, and he believe in me. You know, I, I'm going to be the guy who study, and they're going to see me around the building. I just didn't know I was going to end up in the hands of Andy Reid. Like that, I, I didn't know that when I was when I was in the cell. Like I, I didn't know. Like I, I thought I would come home and go. No disrespect to Buffalo, but they wasn't playing well at the time. I could have been the backup in Cincinnati. I think those were the teams that was calling. And then Andy called. I'm like, okay, they got Donovan. I'm probably going to sit the bench, you know, for my first year. But I, but I see the plan that was created. My body wasn't back. I, I needed – like I was fat. I gained some weight. I was 226. You know, I, I was I was half your size, AJ. Oh, hey, 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 <laughs> hey, hey. What do you, you play know, at? I was almost two. I was almost two. Four, I played at two ten, two eleven. Jeez. What are you I now? Mean, you, what are you now? Still got it? Yeah, I still got it. I'm, a, I'm about. I'm about two fifteen. I got some weights over here in the corner. Oh! Yeah. Some dumb. Some dumbbells I pick up and knock out. You know. Hey, did I you do, do thirty reps a day or something like that? I know you played chess in jail. Did you hoop too? Did you just dominate people in there? Who won, won the it? championship? Hey, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's won the go. championship. Let's go. Yeah, that like. Like that was uh that was fun that was that was really cool I I was like at my height in my basketball career but I played in some Adidas that didn't have some soles in them oh. and it, it it messed my knees up I think it took two years off my career yeah <laughs> I, played, I bought in some Adidas like shell to Adidas man and it was like. Yeah, that was it. I was 27 at the time, so my body could hand, handle it. Yeah, prison <laughs> basketball cut off the end of your NFL career in the second chapter, yeah. which is a shame. Yeah. You, hey, hey, they tried they try to get me to come back and play another year. I told them, no, I'm good. I'm not, <laughs> this, this, is, this is temporary, fellas. This is temporary. Uh, let's talk about you playing chess, because I think that story was kind of leaked and awesome. I assume that's where yeah. a lot of conversations happen. In the jail as well with whoever you're playing against, whoever's sitting around, yeah. as with basketball. What was your relationship in there? And where do you still play chess? Man, I love chess. I played chess before I played Madden. And I love Madden. Well, you were, you like were Madden. Madden Shout out to Madden, man. The great John Madden in the video game. We all love Madden, man. But I, I will play a game. Before I go play golf, I might sit and play a game of chess. That's how much I love chess. That's how much I love the competition and 
you know, the sitting across from another man or females, they know how to play too, and they be pretty Obviously. good. Like, you know, it's a hell of a lot smarter than us. So you gonna get everything. You know what I'm saying? You gonna get everything that you want when you sit down to play and you touching them pieces. And sometimes it might take three minutes to make a move. And you trying to figure out what he trying to do, and he trying to figure out what you. Is is the coolest game ever, man? Maybe we can get a game. Any of y'all know how to play? Well, I'm fucking close Sicilian, dude. All right, I just want to, you know, I'm coming with a close Sicilian. I learned it from Queens. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he right, right, that's a cool move. Right. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm going to be looking for that. Well, I also got the open. <laughs> Don't worry, I got the open Sicilian. I got a couple openings. Yeah, I watched Queens Gambit, and I picked up a couple of the terms. Did you watch nice. Did you watch that, and did any of it, did it make sense to you? Are you, like, at a level where you'd feel comfortable going against those people that do that shit full time? No. 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 Hey, hey, so look, quick story. We had a chess club in Philadelphia, and uh, we, we used to invite all these kids and teach them how to play chess. And I watched these kids just play chess every every week. We'll sit down and we, we'll play. And then, you know, this one kid kept, you know, challenging me, challenging me. And it's like 12 years old. I'm like, you know, I'm ready. And this is the day we having like tournaments and I got eliminated in the first round. <laughs> 12 year old. I got eliminated in the first round by a 12 year old. <laughs> and, and his moves was like precise and calculated. And I came in, you know, think I came in with my opening and he was negating some stuff. And you know, I tried to, I tried to move and I ain't see something. And next thing you know, he took my queen and it was over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about what you have going on. Very, very excited to chat about the Gaming Society football show, which airs yeah. tonight and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Fubo Sports Network. Alongside Dave Anderson, who I looked at. He's a restaurateur. This guy, he's a restaurateur. How'd you meet up with him? And what's the show about? Well, Dave, Dave used to play in the league. So uh, one of the guys that I knew, uh, I did some work with um, over at Fox Digital. Uh, he, he was on a different platform. He called me, asked me, you know, did I want to be a part of it? Asked him, him and Ke Kevin Garnett got on the phone, uh, along with Dave Anderson. I know Dave from his playing days in Houston. Um, so, you know, they told me what the gaming society was going was about, uh, sports betting platform, uh, you know, as we came up. You know, as, as we played, we was taught to stay away from sports betting. I knew nothing about it, how to do it, but it was an opportunity to learn. And uh, once I found out what the Gaming Society was going to be about, I thought it could help a lot of people like myself who didn't know about uh, sports betting. So it's a cool platform to be on. It's cool to talk sports. Cool to sit with Dave across from Dave and learn, you know, how to sports bet and all these intricate ways to, to, to place bets. Man, I think it's really cool. Well, we enjoy the fact that you're diving into the sports gambling site for sure. Uh, sports gambling world, I mean, for sure. There's a giveaway happening for two tickets to yeah. next year's Super Bowl. You go to gs.predictionsgame.com. You answer some questions. You get them right. Boom! You potentially win Boom. Vicks ticks to next year's Super Bowl. Uh, it's cool shit, Mike. I'm, I'm very pumped for you, and uh, I can't wait to see more, hopefully, of you in the media world. You're awesome. No doubt, man. Thank you, man. I, I'm looking forward to it. Hey. Legit. I hope at some point, you know, when you're sitting in that incredible pool there and you got those weights, you think about like the full change in your life that you've been able to kind of be spotlighted by and the amount of people that probably yeah. look for inspiration to you. That's a very cool thing. Yeah, no doubt, man. It's a lot of people who helped me along the way, man. I got to give a lot of credit to and I'm still growing, still learning. Anytime y'all want to have me back, man, I love to be on the show. It's an amazing thing y'all doing right now. Keep up the good work, baby. Hey, we appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Vick. Yeah, boy!
Joining us now is a man who stole two titles from somebody we don't know who. A man who has won a college football national championship, a Super Bowl ring, a Ryder Cup championship bag, and he's a COVID survivor, but he's the owner of two Fugazi titles now, ladies and gentlemen, AJ Hawk. Yeah. Oh. What's up, Hawk? Two, I'm giving one away, though, so I'm only going to have one left. Well, that's, that's what I've been saying this whole time. You just being all willy-nilly with giving it away proves to me that you didn't earn it. Mm -hmm. uh, those are Fugazi titles. Those are fake. And, uh, but I am thankful that you are giving one away. I think you're sending it here. We're going to sign it and ship it on its way to the winner of yesterday's hashtag PMS Fugazi title uh, hashtag contest. We can't thank you enough for joining us. AJ, a lot of big news. Let's run around it real quick before our guest from the Los Angeles Rams joins us. Eberflus, uh, now the head coach in Chicago. Byron Leftwich, allegedly the coach in Jacksonville. They're, they're trying to figure out roster control. And Nathaniel Hackett, head coach of the Denver Broncos. Broncos now. What's your biggest takeaway? Who do you, uh, does this mean Aaron Rodgers going to Denver? I mean, it seems like the rumor mill is really heating up. Aaron and Devontae headed out west to Denver. We'll see. No, nah, I mean, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I I'm, I'm happy for Hackett, though. I know Aaron loves him. I know the rest of the team loves him, so I think it's uh, it's much deserved. And Eberflus probably pumped in Chicago if Hackett is to take Aaron out of the NFC North. <laughs> Ryan Poles, former player, general manager uh, manager there. I love that. I love former players at president position, uh, Jason Wright, former players at general manager uh, positions like Ryan Poles is now and many others are, and I love that Byron Leftwich is getting a chance to potentially be the head coach of the team he played for. That's an awesome full circle type story, but I don't know how it's going to go. Jacksonville seems to be doomed for failure at all times. But hey, hey they might turn around. Trevor Lawrence is a hell of a player, and Byron Leftwich is respected by everybody he's ever played with. Yeah, I mean, the Jacksonville job definitely has its, uh, has its challenges, but I think it's awesome. The more we see former players become head coaches, become GMs, front office people, then the more and more are going to know it's a possibility and are going to try to take that path after they get done, so I think it can only help the NFL. Yeah, pipeline in the coaching would be good. I think the pay for the lower-level coaches is probably going to have to change if players continue to get into that, but neither here nor there, and that's not from any source or experience in my own. Just thinking about what my friends have signed up for that are former players to coach, and then I talk to them, and they tell me what they're doing, and then they tell me how much money they make. I'm like, get out of that. Get out of that profession. But it takes a real love of the game to be a coach. And if you're a player and you're a coach, you can see it from both sides. Hopefully, Byron has a lot of success. Excited for Eberflus, Hackett's out there. And, you know, a lot of people think that Byron left, which was hired, because uh, owners are looking for a quarterback whisperer. Somebody that can make an offense go. And the man that started this entire thing was a 30-year-old dude that none of us had ever heard of, but immediately became fans of because of his electricity in Sean McVay. Sean McVay went to the Super Bowl early, had to recalculate the entire team. Now they're in the NFC Championship, and he seems to be a guy that people are going to be searching for forever in every other program. Well, there's another guy that is on that team that I think people are going to be seeking for for their program. Just hit a game winner uh, less than seven days ago against the Super Bowl champions. The kicker for the Los Angeles Rams, Matt Gay. Yeah! What's up, dude? What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, congratulations on the success, dude. <laughs> There was, there was a kicking carousel going on over there at the Rams. I think there was, you know, a lot of question marks. Who's going to be able to take this job? We're in Los Angeles. Obviously, Hecker's very good, but our expectations are very high. A lot of superstars. Which kicker can come in here and handle the job, handle the opportunity, and make kicks? You've proved that beyond any doubt. Congratulations, man, on finding a home out there in Los Angeles. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's, uh, it's definitely a good fit out here. 
I think I find that a lot for, for players. That's kind of where you fit in. Oh, so you love it out there. You, you love it. I mean, there is, hey, Larry David's out there cutting promos <laughs> against kickers, and there seems to be superstars around. You guys are in the NFC Championship. Is it like the glitz and glamour thought from the outside looking in it is in real life, or is it just kind of standard day-to-day, and then Sunday we see all the buffer introducing and everything like that? Standard day-to-day. I mean, we're kind of tucked away from, like, downtown L.A. and stuff, so it's just it's, it's business, and then Sundays you see – all the people showing up at the, at the stadium for, for game day and the glamour. But what, what do you think it is about this team getting wins this year? You think it's Matthew Stafford coming in? Now, obviously, you don't. You weren't here for the entire run with the Rams. But do you think Matthew Stafford being there just was an immediate confidence boost for everybody? Like, hey, we can go on a fucking run here? I think it was a huge confidence boost for everyone. I mean, nine is wheeling and dealing. I, he is he's a bad dude. He, uh, the way he just controls offenses – the way he runs the show, um, the arm talent, the things that he can do, the no looks. I mean, he's he's something else. And when you got a leader like him leading the, leading the group, it gets guys to buy in. And I think that's kind of where it started. And then obviously we got the, the guys on defense, AD, Jalen, that are just doing their thing that they've been doing. Um, group, guys are buying in. Guys like being around the guys. It's just, uh, it's an awesome group to be a part of. It really is. Is McVay the way that like he is presented, at least from the outside looking in? This dude always seems to be super positive, super like detail oriented, and uh, he, he's pretty jacked too. I know he had a shirt off on Hard Knocks and he yeah. caught some heat from his buddies, but he looked good, man. Like, do you see this dude in the in there like three in the morning working out before he starts watching his film at four thirty? Is he one of those grinders? And also, how are he and Stafford? They seem to be almost connected to him. Oh yeah, he. I mean, he's he's always jacked up. He's always fired up. He's got this energy about him that the players feed off of and that the players buy into and it's it's everywhere it's on the field it's in meetings it's and it's just contagious with with the whole team and then him and Stafford uh the relationship they have is is awesome to see them work together to see them like talk about things figure things out throughout the week um the way they're constantly communicating and just figuring out plays and what they want to do on different looks um it's really just like both of them are here and they just kind of go back and forth about what they want to do. And, and they really work it out between themselves. It's not like one guy controlling the whole thing. It's, it's, it's truly just like a back and forth relationship. They can find out what, what time do you get into the building on a day to day? Cause I heard Cooper cup and Stafford are in there 2 AM fucking every day, dude. That's what I heard. <laughs> I get here like seven, seven, seven fifteen, And I, every time I pull in there, cars are there. So how, uh, Hey, Cooper Cup for MVP is a real push, huh? Over there, at least in your building and in the Rams fans. Hey, that guy has taken on a superhero role almost at this point. Triple crown winner in receiving and yak leader. I mean, that's rather impressive in the longest season in NFL history. He's a guy, what's he like day to day? Because they say he's like another quarterback basically out there. Is he just a super nerd that is just this freak athlete? What is Cooper Cup like on the day to day? I mean, he's... He's even kill. I mean, you see him when he scores touchdowns and stuff. He's just about business. I mean, he he never gets too jacked up, too hyped, or like he's just he wants to win. Um, he's kind of in that that group with Stafford and McVeigh, kind of communicating on things, and he's kind of that that third party that's constantly kind of communicating what they want to do on plays, how they see the field, how they see different defenses opening up. Um, he's so smart. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's. <laughs> He is so smart. That is his edge. Is yeah. uh, I think I saw, was it Justin Jefferson tweeted? It was like, 
how is Cooper Cup always open? Like, I don't get it. And it's it's because he's smart. He he reads things pre snap and he understands defenses what they're gonna do. And he, I mean, he is always open. Okay. And he should be he should be a real case for MVP. Yeah, and I think that uh, that football IQ is displayed every time he has a post game interview. Like after that Tampa game, he's like, I think they were in two man, and then maybe. A zero, yeah. and then it comes out like, yeah, actually the defense was on two different pages. So he didn't even just read one defense in one particular play. He yeah. read two defenses that were happening in the same defense in the biggest play of the game. It's just like uh, that was awesome to kind of watch unfold. But there was yeah. a lot of people saying that OBJ isn't going to like going there because it is run through Cooper Cup in the wide receiver room because he is an absolute stud. And then everybody that's ever like played alongside OBJ, I think a lot of people said – OBJ is misconstrued by everybody. Everybody thinks like he wants all the balls. He just wants to win and he works his ass off. What has he been like in the building over there? Because I've heard a lot of compliments and obviously it has worked very well over there. And not that you knew what happened in any other stop for him, but from the shit that you maybe heard about him to what you got to experience and see from him in the locker room, what has been impressive you think? And what has has it changed your mindset? I assume massively. Yeah, definitely. I think he's, definitely misconstrued out there in the media and how people, you know, view him. Uh, he's been nothing but just like buying into the system. He understands. And he, I mean, he knows Cooper cup is doing his thing right now. He, he's all for it. So, I mean, from, from what I see, he's all for it. Um, he just wants to win. He wants to be, you know, obviously someone with his talent wants to be getting the, getting the football and, you know, he can bring a lot to the table. It's not like he's just, you know, some guy, he's Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, he, just, he just wants to help this team win. You know, he knows Cooper Cup is on another level, and he just wants to, you know, play that role where he can get the ball in certain situations and help us help us win. And he's done that. I mean, he's getting touchdowns, getting third-down conversions. I mean, that Ravens game came down to an unreal snag oh, yeah. him, able to get that, him able to get that first down on that fourth down and then getting the, the next touchdown on it um so he's got nothing but buying into the system he wants to win um i definitely think he's been kind of perceived in a bad way to the media because he's he's not he's a stud and he's bought in completely matt have you ever uh sat back and you know when you have some time and, and envisioned yourself kicking like a game winner in a super bowl in your life and now that you're this close to it have you have you dreamt that or try to not get ahead of yourself, but be like, hey, man, we win this one. I'm going to be in the Super Bowl. A lot of things could come true that I may have dreamed as a kid. Like, have you allowed yourself to go there? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think that's every kid's, you know, dream is growing up. I mean, I didn't play football growing up, but you, when you're growing up and you have these dreams, you view yourself in the biggest moment. Like, for me, as a kid, I wanted to play soccer, so it was me hitting a game-winning, like, penalty or scoring a goal and just ah! – um, Yeah, just, like, freaking out the celebration. You know, you win that game. And as I've started, you know, kicking as of late, it's 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 what you have to do. You got to put yourself in those situations. You have to want that that moment. Um, and it's it's definitely trying to stay in the moment, take it game by game. You know, I don't like to look ahead. I like to kind of stay in the moment, take it kick by kick, and go through the process of a game day and, and handle that, you know, as as it comes. But I mean, the mental, you know, visualization of of those moments is definitely something that you. You know, when you're sitting there, you you see yourself hitting that kick and winning the game and doing those things. But um, 
yeah, just trying to take it day by day. How about how about that moment though? Whenever you can uh, you figure out how to make practice mentally like it's an actual game. Uh, I think that was something I saw Vinatieri do, and I tried to learn. And I wish I would have been able to do it at a younger age. It was like in practice, I was almost able to put myself into a situation that is there, and it just makes your your practice reps worth even more. And if you're practicing better, you're just naturally going to do better. It was that whole mental change of whenever you're focused in training is a big deal. And I think that's why whenever you stick around longer or maybe have to have an experience where you have to leave a team and go to another team and experience something like Johnny Hecker, I assume, has been great for your career, I'd assume, as a kicker oh, yeah. because of how fucking good he is. And that that those mentality and that mindset stuff is what separates the good guys from the great. You've been fucking great out there in L.A., man. Yeah, it's just uh, when I came in, when I came in the league, um, I had him in. I hadn't been kicking too long. Um, I, I kind of got to it late. And so it was still just kind of a learning process. So I was, was kind of learning throughout the way at the process of, you know, how to handle myself, how to handle these situations, how to handle just being a pro in general. And I think um, you learn a lot, especially my rookie year, learned a lot from, from the good and the bad. And then getting to go with a guy like Johnny, who's been able to do what he's done in his career and, you know, have the success that he's had to be able to kind of, learn from him and take me like under his wing and, and really understand how, okay, this is how, how it looks to, to enjoy this because we're blessed to be able to do this for a living. To, so you have to enjoy it, enjoy the process, have fun about it. But also like when it's time to go and lock in at work, there, there's a business and there's a mindset that comes about it to, to lock in. And like you said, just like making the practice reps, like those men are like, even when you're just in a set and practice, like, Telling yourself, okay, this is a you know, it's forty-five yard right hash second quarter. Like putting that into a game rep, yeah, heightens the sense of like, oh, I've done this before. Yeah, and, you know, so when you get into the game, it's like you've you've been there before. Yeah, that's when I could do that. Finally, it was pretty sweet because I always be, like, oh, I make this kick, somebody's gonna give me a million dollars. Like when I was in high school or whatever, and I'm like, I would just kick it and I'd make it and I'd be like, yeah, that felt cool. And it was like, but I didn't actually like try to make the mental rep worth it like didn't actually put myself into it until much yeah. later and it was because i saw vinatieri do it it's insane uh in, in, yeah it is it's not easy you gotta really commit uh really commit. you've had an incredible year man keep it what happened on the 47 that can't happen matt you know that hey 47 yard or short we can't have that happen on primetime television for the brand hey matt hey yeah for the brand you can't have i didn't guys to you for the brand all kickers out there that's that's the worst not even just I mean, sure. I mean, that hurts the that hurts the ego a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But you came back. You answered, and I actually chatted. Um, Next, yep. I chatted. Is it like golf? Do you chunk yeah. it like golf? How's that work? I think there's yeah. I think kicking there's certain situations where, I mean, they say every kick's the same. I, I don't know if I, I I believe in every kick's the same. <laughs> different surfaces too to kick off. Different moments, different surfaces, different winds, different things you have to do, and uh, just didn't catch it clean um you hit it low it. huh you were hitting low a little bit why was that was that because of plant foot you think or you're too far behind yeah i think i think the plant uh coming on the from like we play on turf coming to that grass a little soft out there so i was catching a little low and then uh just the wind trying to hit that spinner that cuts through the wind and uh caught it low and it just i was watching i'm like oh it's good and then i, I you see that on the, the film my face kind of gets confused i see you hit this wall and just drop and oh, i uh, no, oh no 
can't have that. Can't have that. It cannot happen. For those that are wondering about the cutter through the wind, it's kind of like, um, I'm trying to think of the stinger almost for a golf shot, right? So you're trying to hit it like almost like this a little bit, and you have to hit like a cut. But if you yeah. hit that thing a little thin, you're already cutting yourself out almost there. Oh, yeah. hey, I like that you went for it, though. I like that you went for it, and then you yeah. were able to bounce back. I enjoy that. I think you've had Learn a- from it. Yeah, exactly. Hey, buy some tickets for your fans this weekend, huh? Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Hey, nine, Niners fans get loud out there. They uh, they travel well. They uh, you know they uh, they count they support their team. So. Hey, so do Rams fans. Hey, hashtag R I U T A. That's right. Oh, yeah. Hashtag Rams it up their ass, right? <laughs> and isn't that what Kelly Stafford's saying? Not you, Matt. You didn't <laughs> yeah, say that. That's right. That, that was no. Kelly Stafford. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, congrats Thanks, on a hell of a season. Day. Good luck this weekend, pal. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Gay. Thank you. Yeah. All right, it makes sense why, why you're short. That makes sense. Yeah, because like, if you hit it here, AJ, you know, you hit it here. Or if you hit it like right here, those are vastly different. I mean, that's like, that's like catching a little heavy, right? It's like a golf, like you have your wedge and you catch a little heavy. Same thin, thing. Thin. thin. Catching it thin. heavy is high, right? So when, ah. whenever you see a ball like um, like X, you see a ball like X. It's not like a complete over. You're hitting it high there, so you're hitting it fat. You're hitting it heavy there. Whenever you hit one, it's choppy at the bottom. You're hitting it thin. It just feels a lot lighter coming off your foot too. I mean, it is, you know, immediately, like, Ooh, that did, that felt a little thin, just like a club, like a golf shot would him bouncing back and in a game winner. That was good. And I'm happy he owned it by the way. Cause after the game, he said like, uh, you know, I'm not hurt actually. Mm -hmm. he yeah. said, I'm not hurt. I just didn't hit the ball well today or whatever, for whatever reason. Oh, so good for him. Good yeah. for him for not like trying to like well, you know, everyone's dealing with something. Like, good for him for actually owning it. That's awesome. Yeah, and not being like, yeah, we'll look at it and see what he was just like. I'm sure he's banged up a little bit, too, like just like everyone else. But you don't have to. doesn't matter. Like, you don't have to say that. But other people tell you tell people that. Yeah, Evan McPherson said he feels great. He feels like it's the first day, and I don't know how that happened. I actually, I, I don't know how that, that dude might be built different than everybody else. And he legit might be because of how bad he, he murders footballs how small he is but your hips and knees and hamstring and it's nothing like what the dudes are experiencing with like their shoulders and backs and much broader injuries but every little muscle in your leg if just one of them gets tweaked i mean it's like uh it's and then what it would do mentally to you i feel like if you have a little something little tweak or whatever and then what that could do mentally going into a game like that's why i never want i don't want any of my kids to be kickers like i would I would lose my mind to be a nervous wreck. Hey, me neither. <laughs> me neither. Hey, put, I'm putting that. I'm putting that goddamn Callaway in the kid's hand though. Right. Very early. You know what I mean? Very or Taylor. I'm putting the TaylorMade in my. Oh, oh wow. okay. Shit. Shit. Jenna over there. I had um. Agenda. <laughs> hey, it does sounds like it. Yeah. He was on a broken too. Uh -huh. You guys don't have a Callaway agenda, do you? No. No. Not at all. What are you talking about? Okay. Anyways, they, we, they don't pay us, but they did send us 12 drives. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We Gorgeous. appreciate them. We appreciate them Gorgeous for that. Club. Thank you. But, I mean, the Carbon Wood, too. We've been doing a little research. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Nice club. Very nice club. Not for us. No. Maybe for you, but not Send for it us. to me, then. Send it to me. I'll take another one. You got no, eight no, we got a studio. Yeah. Snappiers? Studio one. No. Anyways, whenever you talk about the uh, mental thing, about feeling something, there's a training camp where my hip flexor, it felt as if I was, like, it felt like something was very wrong. And I tried to baby it for like two, three days, and I wasn't hitting the ball as far. And then literally on one kickoff, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to blow it out. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I can't, I'm done with this whole thing. And something happened and it like made it better. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what it was. Medically, I have no idea how to, what, 
Like I went to the trainer. I was like, hey, it feels like I have a ripped um, hip flexor here. and uh, But I can still kick a little bit. It just hurts. They're like, okay, let's know how it is after today. And then I, I think I told Kyle or Aaron, I'm like, hey, I'm going to try to rip this thing right now. I am, <laughs> I am done. I'm done with it. So I just like let it loose. It popped somehow. I don't know what. There must have been some maybe some scar tissue or you something. You didn't go to the guys? You didn't go to the body gurus with the geese on? No, see, I, I can't handle that shit. I, I, yeah. I try my best to be a professional in all situations. But I think we all know me at this point. I think a lot of people know me. Imagine the questions I'm asking while this whole thing's happening. Wearing the, wearing a gi, okay, with a whole with a whole song thing going on in the background. Right. Wait, what? Wait, what? What's the song thing? They have like a mood setter. Like, like capo- yeah. They're doing like capoeira. You know the dance fighting. Oh, that's from uh, Meet Your Parents. Oh, no, no way, that one. It's from a movie back in the day. Yeah, Meet Your Parents, right? Mm-hmm. Two, three. Is that one where meet Tim the, Allen? It's actually Meet the Fockers. Meet the Fockers. Yeah. Oh, it's not Tim Allen. Ben Seller's dad. Hey, yeah. Santa Claus is coming back, by the way. That's right. Yeah, Disney Plus. As a show. It's really? Awesome. Can't wait. Is it a series? Yeah. Yeah. Not 100% Tim sure. Allen has it? He's looking for... Uh, I think so, yeah. He's getting old, so he's looking for the next Santa Claus. Replacement. <laughs> I'd be a pretty good Santa Claus. Just want to let you know, Tim, if you're looking for somebody maybe Dwayne up. the Rock Johnson actually oh, does he's, feel, he's Dwayne that's what Dwayne. I'm saying and he steps into the full time role anyways yeah I couldn't take those guys serious I tried I tried it one time a couple of different body gurus people had different body gurus and every single time we get in the middle of it I'm like alright just stop doing what you're doing <laughs> yeah. let's talk about how many people you have done this on and how did we get to this point of figuring out that you're supposed to take your elbow actually and drive it past the hamstring to the muscle under the hamstring and straighten that thing. How did we get to this point? Like when did, cause that hurts like fucking hell, but I do assume tomorrow I'm going to feel much better. And that's the commitment by the way, that all these old heads you guys see playing the commitment that they're due to their body. You know, you hear like, Oh, this guy spends a million dollars on his body. There's a lot of guys that probably spend more than a million dollars on their body whenever you talk about the food, the diet, the chef, the body gurus that maybe don't live with them and do that whole thing. I wasn't committed enough. I couldn't take it serious enough. And that's on me, you know, and that's why my career was only eight years. I had three surgeries in four years. What, what I would have had to do to probably stop just blowing everything out in my knee every single time is probably be able to touch my toes. And I can't do it. Still can't. Never have been able to. That would have been able to help my career. But that's all very painful. Those are very, very, very painful steps that you have to make. And I just, I guess I didn't love kicking balls enough. That's on me. Do you think it's common, though, for guys after the end of a year to feel completely fine? Like, was there ever a year when you were in the league where you weren't just destroyed after after the season? I didn't take care of my body. So, like, I was always very sore at the end of seasons. My legs felt like they were going to fall off for, like, a week or two. And then I got back into it. Usually had a pretty good time in the offseason, worked out, kicked balls. You did the whole thing again. AJ, you were probably sore every single time. You were hurt every single year, I assume. I mean, I don't really – like, sore is not – sore never has bothered me ever. Like, sore is fine. Like, I want to – I need to be able to walk on Wednesday and practice and, like, find a way to run. And it's cutting. That's the hard thing. As the season goes, like, when you plant with cleats on, especially when you practice on field turf, all, like, your ankles and your feet and obviously your knees with no cartilage, that – that tends to grow in how much it hurts over the year. So, I mean, I was always the same. I was like my, my whole thing to 
to, I guess, stay in the league and stay playing and be as healthy as I could was just to work out. Like I worked out through, that's what helped me through all my stuff. Did you have body gurus that came in and just tried to literally pick your muscles out of your body, stretch them and then put them back in? Cause that's what it felt like. I've been to some, yeah, I've been to some of them. I mean, I think there's a lot of quacks out there for sure. There's a couple people that I've worked with that I, yeah. One dude I met in high school when I tore my PCL, he's a physical therapist, Jamie, he's the man. And he is a big reason why I was able to even playing the league so yeah he was huge for me. shout out jamie thank you jamie. They, incredibly painful sessions with jamie how often it could be yeah i mean i would i would drive back like i would go see him at times he'd come up to green bay he's i mean he's a family friend he grew to be a family friend and the godfather of one of his kids and all of that it's a great great Whoa. thing how it all happened oh, naturally because i got hurt my senior year in high school that's why i was introduced to him so what did you guys do you just had different workouts different uh um body sports massages that he would do what, what? no he's not doing massage he's a physical therapist so he was like manipulating different like if like if i had like back issues at times he would find a way to align my hips and get things working and helped out with my knee a ton I, when cool. i rehabbed with him when i tore my pcl in high school i think physical therapists are the body gurus too aren't they and that different i mean they all have titles a lot of them are chiropractors slash physical therapists slash massage some of them are nothing and they just say they're hey i'm doc i'm doc pete okay <laughs> what? and they put a guru or uh, a gi on but hey some of those guys are good though some of, if they can help you who cares they'll make money too if they, if somebody who's a professional athlete thinks that you will directly make them better mm -hmm. and you are a weapon and deserve you know to be around there as they ascend in their sport you will make a lot of money you will make well we saw what ab paid 125k retainer to guerrero was that what For it was Guerrero, yeah hey listen viability ain't cheap viability no. ain't cheap especially from the inventor himself you know you're getting that straight yeah. from the horse's mouth that's right i mean that tb12 thing was not just in new england or with tom brady for a long not, not long but for a portion of the nfl chapter there they had they had a whole team that was traveling around the NFL doing the pliability thing. Yeah, I had I had a pliability experience a couple of times. I was nice. Guerrero? No, no. One of his. One of I bet now he disciples. doesn't. I'm sure if he doesn't do it now, I'm sure their goal is like have people that are like certified in the TB12 method that go around and take care of people, right? Yeah, that's what those that. And then you a, get a cut. That's the best. If you start it, you get a cut from everybody. They had a fleet of those and they would travel around the nfl through the nfl season like one of them would be in like let's say indy on monday or tuesday then they would bounce uh maybe to somewhere for wednesday like over in cincinnati or would they go into the facility for like would they let outsiders in the facility no 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 it, not, that's a that's a very sensitive thing green yeah, bay that was didn't the problem happen. that it happened in new happen. england that happened. oh i know that was a big issue with belichick right and tom eventually he didn't want Guerrero around as much. And I will say that Tom Brady wasn't the only one that wanted that particular service just to be only available for one team. The people that were doing all the, like the guys that I, I knew multiple people that were there and it, it's, that were using it and did very successful people, people that are very good at football for a very long period of time. A lot of people thought it was just a weapon. Like, hey, we should, yeah. we should hire only, because he's going right now to, another team like we should that's something we should think about just keeping here and i think there is a price that we could probably do for that and i don't know if they were pitching that at the time or if it was just a natural competitive thought like it would be nice if we could just have this dude here and it would be here all day and not that the colts medical staff isn't their thing but i don't know if the colts medical staff have time to do a full 120 minute body guru pliability yeah.
on 50 guys. Uh, yeah, on 53 guys. So, like, I think that was the conversation. And then that's when New England had the TB12 thing built was up there. Mm-hmm. But he didn't have his own. He was kicked out of the building at one point. He wasn't allowed in the building. And then... You know, all hell broke loose, and they ended up down in Tampa Bay with his own office. I think he yeah. has his own office yeah. down in the Buccaneers. Oh, yeah. They harped on it in Man in the Arena. It was before one of the games, and he made him basically go out into like a little broom closet. But to your point about Vinatieri and Brady actually starting it, I think it was Willie McGinnis showed Brady this in like 2006, 2007, and by then Vinatieri was already in Indianapolis. Like it, it goes back way before Brady. Brady was just the one that kind of put it on uh, put it on the map, maybe if you if you would say for like people outside of building yeah i'm not I'm outside not, the nfl i i think it is i think it was a weapon and i think the people that got it done th- once again i am not somebody that is into this body guru stuff just strictly because me and somebody for two hours that's going to be tough for both of us remember when ab was was farting on that dude right in his face <laughs> uh-huh. oh yeah gosh that was brutal never seen that, that one brutal Sorry, that popped uh, up again on my feet we don't watch that once a week i'm not saying that's how my or <laughs> times yeah. ago but my, the video is amazing the guy didn't the guy ask him did you fart did you fart yeah. Yeah. Shit, my bad dog. excuse me <laughs> <laughs> he did it again he was rubbing his belly yeah. terrible i mean just i heard a story last night about crystal tang as a roommate what uh crystal tang was uh roommates with rupper and I guess, you know, there was a lot of struggle on the control and who's up when and how they're up and showers. You know, in hockey, they got to be roommates for 10 fucking years. Ten oh, really? Yeah, I said, no way. What if you get somebody that snores? Like, I wouldn't be able to sleep for, like, 82 <laughs> nights? I don't know. And they all, like, hockey's big on, like, they have to have their game day naps, and they're really, like, the routine is set. So if you have a guy you don't vibe with, that would be tough. Well, Rupper and Tanger had different <laughs> nap schedules. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess they... They Get in their own room, man. They do now. They do now. Well, COVID forced them into this cheap ass. No, league. no, it was CBA. COVID, CBA well, yeah, Thanks a lot, Carolina. The players were like, "Hey, listen, cheap ass league. I'm a grown ass <laughs> fucking man. Can I have yeah. my own goddamn room?" I assume there had to be an option for them to be able to pay the difference. In the NFL, there was a year thing, you know. And I was like, "Can I just pay for my own room? Like, can I just do that?" I would. Did like, they let you? Yeah, for like a year or two. I guess I didn't. I I, I didn't. I got my own room. During maybe my sixth year, I believe in the league because on away games, I probably could have had one earlier. But I, my roommate Brady Papinga was awesome, and he doing re- all of a sudden he got released at the start of camp. I believe my sixth year, and then I was like, I don't know if I have a roommate on home and away games. And I went in, I didn't have a roommate, so I was like, all right, I guess I, I'm good now. Hey, congratulations, bro! Well, they actually asked I was everyone fine. on the team, and everyone said I I refused to sleep way. next to AJ Hawkey's a freak. That'd be okay. Yeah, he might kill us in the middle. Of That's that. okay. Yeah. Everyone, I, hey, I'm a, you know, 30 years old. I don't need a roommate. So I had a roommate. First game, my NFL career roommate, you know. Who? I slept 24 minutes that night. Weren't you in the tub? <laughs> I wanted to try to pass out in a bathroom at one point. <laughs> yeah. because What I, happened? The snoring was just oh. so loud. I'm like, I can't do it. I'm not, I don't sleep well to begin with, let alone if we got this sawing happening listen i'm an adult i'm about to play my first game ever at a position i don't really know make money for it i got 20 i'm not gonna sleep probably well before that anyways let alone when that happens so like the next week i was like can i just can i please can i please just buy my own room is that an option they're like actually that is an available option we'll we'll let you know going forward i'm like thank you thank you for that i need that because i need about two ambient uh i need that thing shut down completely quiet and also i need to watch terrible saturday night live for at least until midnight or twelve thirty, sure. yeah, you know I'm not going to sleep at all. So it's just a whole thing for it's better for everybody. But here and they were they had roommates for ten years in the NHL. I was like, 
Hockey's a different culture, though, man. Those guys are together so much in those road games. Like they have road long road trips together. Their planes are set up cool, though. I, I from what the guys I talked to, they're set up like club seating, different spaces where they can sit and play cards. Like they try to take care of them. So what do they have? They have everybody has their own plane, I assume, in the NHL and the no. NBA. No, they usually, I think, I think they, they usually charter like 747s and just let the boys spread out. That are set up like that, too, though. I know, like, talking to guys that have played on different teams, a lot of them from who I've talked to, they just charter planes that are kind of set up for that. Like, they're configured differently. I don't know how many people use them. I guess they, they probably go around and use them in all the leagues. Who owns those planes? How do we get to those planes? It's like the actual airlines, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like Delta. Yeah, like yeah. American Airlines, all those. South really? Bezos. And they just have like a super souped up ones that you can rent. Remember Seattle had a sweet plane for a while. They got rid of it. I, I thought they bought it, though. I thought these were all owned. It was theirs. No, Seattle owned theirs. I know like Robert the Patriots owned, owned theirs. New England. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah Seattle we owned Who else? I don't know, but like I see the NBA guys. The NBA guys have sick planes, and I just assume all the teams. Because they're are, nine feet tall. I yeah, think yeah. they really have to be specialized for them. And they're on the road a lot. Yeah. So I assume all the NBA teams. Jordan own. smoking cigars in the back. That's and that one, <laughs> that one that always goes viral, I think, is the Mavs playing, right, with Cuban. Uh-huh. So I think it's like the more rich owners and the more well-off yep. teams have them. Oh, so Cincinnati's flying southwest over there? No, I think uh, the Bengals. I think, Derek's I think he just bought a plane. Trips. For himself? I think he bought a big plane for the whole squad. It's like one of the biggest planes ever I heard. I don't. Most expensive. Hey, I like that. Our, our show did something. Okay. Nice. Okay. I'm happy if we were a part of that. I I honestly thought they had to just go get, like, they're heading to Cincinnati International. Yep. Grabbing, I need a ticket to Kansas City Chiefs or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you're you're B35. Sorry Mm -hmm. about it, Mm -hmm. you know? And then uh, all the A1s get in there, A1 through 10, who, you know, somehow have some. Build some toughness. Can't have entitled players on that squad, can you? No, smart. That's right. No, I was there. They would travel. Travel was nice. I, I was a year. I spent a year with the Bengals. No, it was good. What, nice planes, big, spacious. It was nice. How many games did you guys bust to? Um, we bust to the preseason game against the Colts. Jeez, that was it. No, you guys busted Pittsburgh, right? You're definitely busting to Pittsburgh. No, I think we. I don't. We didn't bust to Cleveland. I think we what? flew everywhere. No, no. Cincinnati Bengals, the team you were on. Yeah, the only preseason. Yeah, preseason against the Colts, week four. We bust there. Okay. And by the way, we bust back from Cincy uh, a couple of times as well for that last preseason game because you have 100 people on the team at the point. Ah. And it's, mm. and I don't even know, the direct flight would almost take longer to get to the airport than to even do the drive. So we did that. I just assume you guys were maybe, you know, like horse and carriage or whatever. Like, I honestly mm-hmm. thought maybe that's how Cincinnati, are they walking to the game this weekend, you think? Hey, Joey B and the yeah. boys. Yeah, like a Flintstones Doing car. a walk-a-thon over there. Get to bird keep- scooters. You got to get the app and, and go find a bird scooter in the corner and jump on it. Maybe. That makes sense. Baseball players do that. Baseball players take cabs and scooters to the park. I would like to, you know, turn the narrative on the Cincinnati Bengals. And by the oh, way, that, would you? Would you really? I don't know if you would. That narrative I've pushed pretty hard. Yeah, you got it because it's for the betterment of the team. Yes, they're in the AFC Championship game. I think they're doing okay right now. You're right, and they're the first team without an indoor facility <laughs> to be in the AFC Championship game mm-hmm. for 31 years. Stat that. Stat that. It's unbelievable. They're debunking all theories that having a place to maybe get better in the extra hours whenever things are maybe not all the way lit up or, you know, there is a gale-forced wind coming off of the highway that we're underneath. I mean, there is just, you know, there is reasons to maybe think about getting a barn. Just get a fucking barn. Yeah. They have metal barns that are like $80,000. Maybe get a bubble that the Duquesne Dukes yeah. football team has yeah. in Pittsburgh. They're like the 10th or 11th most important football team in the city of Pittsburgh. 
and they had a dome over their goddamn field. I mean, that, that is just what I'm saying. Like, they're if ha- hey, if you're on the Bengals and you want extra work, all you got to do, Pat, drive like 15 minutes down the road, tell Luke Fickle you need to use the the bubble that Cincinnati uses, and once the the girls' intramural you know uh, field hockey team gets off there, you have plenty of time. You'll be good. <laughs> They're building another one. I think University of Cincinnati's yeah. building two of them. I think they, they got should. a whole another one they on deck. They should give Luke whatever he wants. New complex. Hey, Luke's still around, huh? Desmond Ritter got another year because he's got the COVID year he can add on, or is he going out? Oh, no, he's going. he's going out. I think. Oh, and he's, I think he's training with uh, Jordan Palmer out there. Nice. Oh, I think I think I got a DM from Jordan Palmer the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. I think he's so. been on the show. He has. Yeah, absolutely. Draft special. Yeah. Where's the Carson uh, bobblehead? He never sent to us. about the Heisman? He owes that, yeah. Well, well, well. Good guy, though. Give us good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Can't thank you enough for allowing us to be a part of this glorious Thursday for you. We're back tomorrow with a feel-good Friday. If you enjoyed the day, tell somebody about it. If you didn't, act like it never happened. Thanks to all the guests for their incredible time. Thank you to Matt Gay for stopping by, Michael Vick for stopping by, Chuck Pagano for stopping by, all the boys, AJ Hawk, and you as well. All right, Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people into a beautiful day. We'll see you manana.